0: Rely on on X Hunt when I'm hunting turkeys. It is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. Many of you know Axis deer is considered to be the best-tasting venison on the planet. I've been hearing that for years. And that those deer cause some ecological harm. Well, Maui Nui venison is bringing those Axis deer to the market. So you can get some fresh cuts and sticks shipped to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. The Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light creating proven versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First light, go farther, stay longer. Hey everyone, you might notice a slight tonal difference in what's being recorded right now. Perhaps as though it's being recorded on a different device than normal. Well, it is. That's because what I'm going to say right now is so important. We wanted it to stand out and Phil the engineer came up with this brilliant idea to do it on a phone. Here's the message. Season 10, part 2 of our Netflix show, Meat Eater, is upon us. Drops February 2nd on Netflix. So get ready to binge. Pull up the couch to the old tube. Get your pins dialed. Cock your spear guns. Whatever you gotta do to feel prepped. February 2nd, hot episodes of Meat Eater on Netflix. Now, our regularly scheduled podcast coming to you from the frigid as hell North Dakota. All right, Jay Siemens, as a, um, as a way of introduction, tell me what you got going on in that bucket next to you.
1: I'm sitting beside a which, bucket.
0: Which you don't know what, because you live in Canada, you don't know that, that what that thing is called.
1: Well, you told me it's called a lug, but we kind of call everything totes. Any sort of plastic container is a tote. And, no, uh, a tote is a bag. Well. Plastic container is not. All right, we're calling it a lug. It's a tote or a lug. And we currently have a northern pike speared by Steve, a white bass caught by myself, a perch caught by Mandy, and the walleyes, I think kind of a, a group effort, but uh, we're doing a little catch and cook shore lunch later today, so I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Uh, that, that northern, um, when he was frozen, he didn't give off his northern smell.
1: No, but now when they thaw it, like the it's, slime, it's... It's amplified. It's ideal to not let the fish freeze rock solid between, you know, catching them and uh, cleaning them, but we, we let that happen, so.
2: But when it's negative 50 with wind chill, it's kind of hard to do
3: that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to avoid. They freeze, like, from the shack to the truck. Oh, yeah. Introduce yourself
0: a little more, Jay. Uh, oh, and if you want, if you want, you can do your, like, your plug. My plug, all right. Pl- you can do, like, pl- you, well, you, you damn sure better plug Canadian angle. Yep. Okay. Plug that. Uh, you can plug like a, another thing or two, maybe, but then mainly uh, the fish fry. Okay. Yep. And then plug the battery you gave me. Perfect. Then you'd be all taken care there of. There you
1: me. go. Then I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to talk for the rest of the podcast. Uh, yeah, my name is Jay Siemens. I uh, I'm an ex fishing guide in Canada, turned videographer, and uh, I got a series on the Mediator YouTube channel called the Canadian Angle, kind of a, a you know angle being a videographer, but angle. Angling, fishing—it's play on words. Yeah, there you go.
0: Chester hadn't picked up on that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell?
1: <laughs> so yeah, season uh, season two just started. Chester's like, oh, <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, season two just uh, started dropping, and it's an ice fishing uh, ice fishing season with uh, fits into what we're doing right now. But uh, yeah, I make YouTube videos. Um, and uh, got a little got a little side hustle with my buddy Josh, and we make a uh, fish batter called Catch and Cook. So it's uh, can Americans buy it? We can buy it online, catchcook.net. We're slowly getting to the American retail space, but uh, I mean, I'm always eating fish, so it's like, you know what? Let's uh, let's make something of our own. So we got spices to compete with meat eater. We got some batter, and uh, oh, batter, some some folding flay knives. So I'm not a batter guy. Batter? Well, I mean, batter coating. I mean, we got the beer batter. This is like more of a just a. Yeah. flour-based coating. But.
0: Yeah, yeah, coating, breading. Flour or corn?
1: Uh, there's flour with some some cornmeal and some other hmm. secret ingredients in there. Hmm. And uh, I gifted Steve. Steve was eyeing up some of my gear, and I got a little, it's called a power box, and it's a little lithium battery in like a little hard-sided case. Folks should know about this. Yeah, it's great for camping. I got it's nothing
0: g- to gain here either.
1: No. I mean, I gained that battery. <laughs> you gained a free <laughs> battery box. Um, yeah, it's got a couple USBs, a cigarette lighter. I'm always filming ice fishing, camping, whatever, right? So... You know, charge your phone twenty times off at once, but Dakota Lithium Power Box, and uh, I'm a battery guy. Yeah,
0: little plastic I, box. You are a big battery guy. I know so you like
1: plugging stuff in and unplugging it. My my fear is <laughs> going fishing or showing up at a shoot, and my battery's being dead, or your your live scope battery dying halfway through your day. So,
3: yep. If and you're it, if you're an avid angler, you kind of got to be a battery person. Yeah, a lot of batteries going on. Like especially ice fishing, there's a lot of batteries going on. A lot of like trying to keep batteries alive in yep. the cold, and then you're fishing out of a boat open water a lot of batteries going on <laughs> trying or, to keep all your stuff around. that
1: that's made right in north dakota uh not made but they're they're companies based out of uh out of north dakota yeah dakota
0: lithium cool name yeah you can start a rock band called dakota lithium <laughs> we're gonna get back to seth big time because he's got a lot of boat stuff we got to talk about yeah a lot of boat dealings
1: well i might be dealings. selling oh. Seth i might be selling seth my boat actually we're doing some dealings off uh off air
0: yeah all oh, fair dealing, Yeah, we'll roll it into the boat talk. And then you, we got to talk were? about this little project we got called Seth's Side Hustle. Yeah. But this is going to get me in a lot of trouble with Tracy because she doesn't like it when we preview uh, to start promoting things that don't yet exist that then wind up for some reason being impossible to do.
3: Uh, I, but I just I, can't see an option. I can't
0: foresee this being impossible. Seth's Little Hustle. Yeah. It's going to be called. <laughs> There'll be a drop down. If you go to the, uh, the meteor.com, you'll find a little drop down. that says Seth's little hustle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Mandy, introduce yourself. Now, I, I, whatever aspects of yourself, cause there's sort of like, you have like a dual, you have a dual, you have a dual existence. I do. Uh, can you do, can you talk about both the dual? Yeah, oh, yeah okay.
4: I can. So by day for the last 21 years, I am a biologist. I've worked for the state of Minnesota in multiple different divisions and capacities. I love my job. uh, when I'm not at that job, I, I do wear multiple hats. Uh, I, I'm an avid angler. I'm also a tournament angler, so I fish year-round. I fish about 30 derbies a year, multiple species. Um, I ice angle, I guide, uh, I co-host a, a weekly radio show. I've had a I co-host a TV show for the last seven years, and I donate about 200 hours a year to nonprofits and, and vets groups. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh.
0: Tell me about your last name, Yurik? Uric. Yeah. Okay, I had, I want people to know I have nothing to gain in this transaction. I'm about ready to lay out. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to gain. I had a Jackson kayak big tuna. Yes. A tandem sit-on-top fishing kayak for rough-ass water, and we had caught a lot of fish out of this thing. Yes. I... Got to where I was. I, I got to living in an area where I just wasn't using it as much, because just local circumstances, and uh, which just wasn't applicable to where I was. And uh, gave it to Seth to use. And you used it a couple times. No, oh, I used it a lot. You used it a lot. Yeah, but then you went on to bigger. Then you. Not, yeah, just then you got you got like other boats and
3: I well houses. I used that. I used that a lot. Kelsey and I would use it floating, several rivers around. Montana, but it's not like a great river. No, it's open water boat. It's an open water boat. So we, yeah. we ended up just getting an old town canoe and then um, we didn't need the sweet boat, the kayak
0: anymore. It's got like chairs in it. It's got a perforated little live well. It's not aerated, but you can put fish in there and just as you move around, it circulates water, keeps them alive real good. Yeah.
3: I used to use that thing all the time. Yeah. It works great.
1: Probably great not boat. tournament ready, that live well.
0: No, not tournament ready. No. no. It's got an no. anchor system that I personally rigged up. Sweet anchor system. Yep. Um, it's got everything. So you go look for yourself what a Jackson Kayak Big is worth. I don't know what the hell they're worth. They're worth a lot of money.
3: Yeah, it's like a two grand, I think. So Anymore?
0: Ridge Pounder, we kind of peer pressured Ridge Pounder into buying it. Yep. For, I don't want to get into sums, but for a fraction of its value. Because <laughs> he had a some cockamamie plan by which he was going to come retrieve it. Yep. And bring it back to... California with him so he could become a surf perch master.
1: Sorry, it's in Bozeman, or where is it? It's, it's at, in Bozeman, Montana. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's at my house in Three Forks.
0: So now, the where things stand now. I was telling Chris the other day, when we were sitting in the shanty. Um, I won off this deal because, even though I gave it to Seth, once Seth sold it to Chris, I kept half that money, <laughs> just because I felt that that was fair.
3: And I don't know if you remember, but you gave me that kayak because I helped you hang that big-ass mirror in your house as soon as you walk in your door. Yeah. So He got, he got that, too.
0: <laughs> so I got my mirror hung up. So here's how I won. I got my mirror hung up. I got half the the very, very modest sale price. Yep. Seth got half the modest sale price, but now he's getting bones. He's had to move it around a whole bunch. But here's the big winner in this whole thing right now, as stands, is Dirt Myth <laughs> is gonna come take it, not pay anybody anything, and he's gonna come <laughs> take it and house it until Ridge comes and yeah, he's gonna be the caretaker of it. So we're all of us, all involved parties, we're in a shanty the other day, and I was telling Chris, just like you can't have a shanty full of winners, you can't have a shanty full of winners. <laughs> Someone's got to lose. <laughs> And he's he's the loser. <laughs> he's losing. He bought it, but he can't get it. Yep. So the reason I'm bringing this up to listeners is, if someone you have to come get it out of Seth's yard. Yeah. If it works out, come get it in my yard. How? What do they have to? Let's make it a deal. They got to give you, and then you're gonna split the money with Ridge, or no? Yeah. You'd split it with him. You wouldn't just keep the money. No. So they're I, like bailing I, Ridge out.
3: Yeah. We're basically doing all this work for Chris, and he's not doing shit. So you
0: come and give, you the listener, <laughs> yeah. send in a, you know where they should send it? Because you're in there anyway. Where do you want the emails to go?
1: Info at SethSideHustle.com uh,
0: No, because this is nothing to do with Seth Side Hustle. <laughs> well, no, this is Seth. This is,
1: this, this is definitely f- a side hustle. No. The
0: other project is Seth's Little Hustle. This is Seth's Little Side Hustle. Yeah. Name a price... And name how they're supposed to get a hold of you. Um, D- that should they DM you? Yeah,
3: I probably just a DM to my Instagram. Tell them what it is at Signs Underscore West. Yeah. Um. So here's social media coming in again. Yep. Uh, send me a DM, and what was I forget the price we were we. Doesn't set. matter.
0: Just just throw one out there. Yeah. A thousand bucks. Okay. Thousand bucks. It that's like, it's mint condition. Yeah. Mint condition. Big tuna, Jackson kayak, phenomenal boat in Seth's yard, thousand bucks. Here's what (laughs) happens with that thousand bucks. Rich Pounder gets his money back. Yeah. Then Seth decides whether he just hoards the rest for himself or splits the profits with him. It's up to Seth. Splits the profits with Chris? Yeah. No, I'm keeping it. You're just gonna (laughs) give him his money. You're just giving him his money back. You're gonna refund
3: it. Yeah, I'll refund his money. But then you're keeping it. But yeah, the, the rest I'm keeping because that's that's Chris's, that's what Chris owes me for storage. Moving. For moving
0: it and for doing this whole
3: transaction.
0: Okay. That's fair. DM big big Tina. Here's the thing. You got to come pick the bitch <laughs> up though. We're not like, Seth's not involved. Seth yeah. will be like, it's in the yard, come get it. Yep. And you can keep my sweet anchor. Yep. It's a fishy boat. It's seen a lot of fish. Yeah. I've fished it. All my kids have fished it. My ma's fished it. A lot of people fish that boat. It's like
3: DAS boat. I, fished, I was I was one time out in the Middle of Canyon Ferry. There was a bunch of walleye boats out there. And I was like, well, the bite must be on out there. Didn't have my boat that I have now, so I just Kelsey and I paddled out there, and we didn't catch any
0: walleye. Well, but didn't we d- tell them that say like say like uh, we slew. We outfished all the walleye boats. Say something like that. We it's out self yeah, damn boat.
3: We out well. It's not the boat's
0: problem. He outfished all what the I'm big saying is, boats. What I'm saying is
3: the boat is capable to get out there with all the big walleye the big boats. water.
0: Uh, I just wanted it to be like a different, like the way the story was going, I was expecting it to be that you slayed. Well, we can say that, yeah. Okay, lay out the other boat issue you guys got. But let me, let me, let me tee it up. Okay, tee it up. We've talked extensively over the last year about how uh, Seth and, and, and Chester the Midwester are going to go into the walleye tournament. Yes. And we're like sponsoring the walleye. They're making a show about them. We're going to make a show about them.
2: Just winning.
0: doing Just winning every tournament. Montana. So doing the Montana leg of the walleye tour. Correct? It's, it's the Montana. It's like the Montana circuit. Montana Walleye. Unlimited. Okay. Puts it on. Doing the Montana, competing yeah. in the Montana circuit. When you get, after you do that weigh-in, are you allowed to keep those fish and eat them, or do you have to go dump them back in the lake? You got to release them. They're, they're, uh, well, this just... this year it's photo, it's picture and release. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I'm mildly less enthusiastic about this whole thing, but. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what do you mean? That's uh, fine.
0: Um. <laughs> I just thought you're gonna be out there. I thought you're gonna have a big old like one of like Jay's fish fry batter, catch and cook, big like you know how race cars have like tide or whatever. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. How much to wrap your boat? I thought it was be, I that. thought your boat's gonna be wrapped. in yeah, Catch and cook. You know what? Maybe <laughs> catch and cook is gonna sponsor you guys. because well, you you know, they're gonna let them all go. Well, they'll probably kill one accidentally along the way. No, we can pre fish. Yeah, keep can, a couple. Yeah. You know. Okay. Or let us can, know what a wrap is. We might not even need a boat sponsorship. We're just gonna buy you a boat. Catch and cook wrap. <laughs> there yeah. we go.
0: The little ja- those little racing jackets and stuff to say <laughs> catch and cook on. It's going to be sweet. That would be sweet. It's going to be good for Jay. Uh, So you're going to do this thing. We're going to make a show. We're going to make a YouTube series, right? Yep. Help me out. Yeah. To pick be- it up. Sell me out. How many tournament do- stops? Don't, don't end it with, like you did the kayak story that ended. Yeah.
3: So it's it's four stops. Unfortunately, one of them is on the day I get married this year. So, so you get so are so, so
0: you're gonna have to leave the wedding early.
3: Well, we're we're only doing three. We're doing three of the four derbies. Which you only need to do three of the four to win angler of the year. Win angler of the year. Yeah, that's what you guys are gonna do. Yep. So
1: yep. and so on. And
0: did you, how did it wind up being that you got scheduled to get married? Just a uh, just bad coincidence.
1: It's too late to move the wedding. Just
0: uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> yep. Do you know I'm the I'm gonna be the preacher at Seth's wedding? Can I talk about that? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm gonna be the well, preacher at Seth's wedding. What's the date
1: for that? Uh, June twenty fifth. Do you have to do an online, uh, like, uh, certification? I gotta look into that. I might check it right now, but, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you fa- still gotta
1: check. It cost right now. fifteen dollars, and you're ready to go. Back to the walleye too. June twenty fifth. June twenty fifth.
2: So we, I have a, I got a sixteen and a half foot. It's a sweet boat, Sylvan. But if anybody is familiar with Fort Peck.
0: And is that one of the locations? One of the locations okay. that I'm yep. really
2: excited about. Stop number 1. It's Big like, Creek. And Seth and I could be out there in my little 16 and a half footer and
3: and I have a 16 a foot a 16 and a half foot crestliner that is not capable. Yeah, you guys
0: are you guys are boat poor. We're under You're ambition rich, yet boat poor.
2: Yep. The, the wind could come up and we could be um it'd be like the Edmund trouble.
3: Fitzgerald yeah,
0: yeah. The legend lives on. <laughs> There'd be a song written about us. Lake Michigan steams like a young man's dreams Yep, its islands and bays are for sportsmen. Yep. Um, uh, these boys need a boat. We need a boat. If I owned a boat company, per just per me, just me speaking. If I owned a boat company, and I was like, and I was sitting there with my marketing budget and shit, right? And I was like, what am I going to do this year for my marketing budget? And I'm like. On Instagram, checking out like, oh, here's a fishing influencer, whatever. And I caught wind of the fact that Seth and Chester are doing a meat eater YouTube series about their quest to become angler of the year. Yep. High production value. And the boat was going to be like the star. Like, you want to talk about impressions? The boat's like the main thing. You like, want to talk about impressions. I'm just saying, if I owned a boat company, I would be hitting Seth's DM. <laughs> <laughs> or go to, what's yours? Musky Chat. Go to Musky Chat. Or just contact at the meat And I would be like dropping a lot of, I would be calling people. How do they put it, Jay? You had it happen to you one time. Because of boat shortages?
1: Oh yeah. they. I'm trying to think what the, well, just, they. They shuffle. Yeah, things move around. Shuffle yeah. priorities. Jay's watching
0: his ass right now because he doesn't want <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Yeah. Jay doesn't want to get implicated in any of this. I would be sitting there looking and I'd be like, man, I'm going to get those boys a walleye boat. That's right. We'll, uh, and do Even though you got to understand it's going to be wrapped with catch and cook fish I'm a, I'm a big <laughs> alumicraft
1: guy. Mandy's, Mandy's a Lund girl. So we both kind of, uh, I mean, I think it's, you got to be fishing in alumicraft, but, uh,
3: Hey, I like. I I don't discriminate. I like At this boat. point, beggars can't be
0: choosers. Yeah, yeah. They boat, need that boat. Both are great boat companies. A, a boat, a walleye boat company needs to come in and help these boys out so they can get out there and not be out in them little boats of theirs. Now, what if a walleye boat company came and said, "You can use this boat for that," but then you got to give it back. That'd be fine.
3: I mean, yeah. It's, oh, really? I mean, it's better. Yeah. Let's see, it's better than nothing.
0: But
2: if we could be. You know, going to the Elite Series bass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: and then, let me lay out another thing. Let me lay out another thing for you. What I think would have to happen, just so you know, what I think would have to happen is I yeah. think we would have to do it like this. They'd probably wind up having to, they'd probably have to give the boat to Meat Eater. Yes. But it'd be like your guys' boat to use and take care of. Yes. And I would make it be that people had to come ask you permission to use it. Yes. But, in the future, how would you guys divide the boat up? Would you fight over it between Chet and I? Yeah, would you wrestle over it? Well, or just like
3: ninety-eight percent of the time when we're fishing, we're together. So you don't. So you I don't, don't picture I don't foresee it being, it being a big issue.
0: You could. You feel that you two could effectively co-own a boat? Yeah,
1: that's tough. I'm.
2: I'm pretty easy going.
0: Yeah, same.
2: I'd let Seth use it whenever. I mean, we share. We've.
0: Yeah. You know what? Where you get into problems when you co-own stuff and i've never had because i own i co-own the fish shack we never had the issue yeah someone says i think we were we're due for a new boat and we got we're gonna buy a new boat and someone says like i don't want to do that yeah you know we've never had that problem we've always unanimously agreed on like priorities but you could have a situation where one he's like i want to redo the electronics package everyone's like man i can't afford that i don't want to do that yeah so then like well i'm gonna go do it anyway and then you then now you have bitterness yeah I could see this boat really ripping you two apart. No. No.
2: <laughs> I can't. If it ever came to that,
1: I'd be like, you know what, Seth? You can have that boat.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Oh
1: yeah. Have you have you guys fish tournaments? No, Sorry, that? have you guys fished tournaments before? Is this gonna be like nope, first is... tournaments and go right into the full tour?
0: No, but you know what's really we've, cute.
1: We fished out when other people were.
2: This
0: is, fishing. is the cutest thing in the world. What? <laughs> it's the cutest thing in the world. There was a tournament going on, and they went and fished together that day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just to see how they could – you weighed your own fish that day and saw you would have stacked up if you paid the entry? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: if we – well, we
3: fished, and then we went and looked at the board, Yeah, and we would have done very well.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah. So if you you have a boat company and you want to get on board with some winners (laughs) and get some (laughs) high-profile exposure – these boys need a walleye boat. Here. Here's, up.
2: Here's another thing. If and this of the, is
0: green lit, dude. This is happening. I was in on the meeting.
2: Any of the winnings, we're not keeping. We're not taking that oh, and yeah, putting it in our pocket. Um, which you know would be nice. You're but, putting it up your nose. Uh, we we're actually. That was joke. joke, Chester. We're actually. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> we're not doing that. Definitely not doing that, Steve. We're gonna. Put it back towards um like access, like a boat ramp improvements, um fish cleaning station, on um, however Seth and I, yeah. you know, once some, we hash it some out-
0: project that had, that's related to the bodies of water where you guys, right? Yep. So some project related to access enhancement,
3: mm-hmm.
0: ramp improvements, like yep. I said fish cleaning, whatever, whatever the you know, whatever, whatever, whatever the state is. needs, whatever whoever needs.
3: We had, a, we had a guy write into us saying that there he, he's a guy who owns a company that makes those uh, like prefab concrete outhouses. Because mm-hmm. we talked about like if a boat ramp needs a shitter or something, it'd be like something we'd invest in. And no. that, that guy was like, let me know.
2: We'd be sponsored by Catch and Cook and
0: Boat ramp shitters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now you lost half the wrap. Yeah, you yeah. only gonna get a, the, the port side is going to be catch a cook. The other side is going to be boat ramp shitters.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll take so what let, I can get.
0: Let me, let me review this for boat manufacturers. Here's what you're getting: massive impressions when the show comes out. Yep. Um, you're helping uh, access. If if they win some uh, some loot, you get that. You're tied to that generous gesture because they're not pocketing any of the loot yep um i can tell you one day you can use the boat if you want you can just borrow it back on seth wedding day he's not gonna be using it yep so you could do a walleye trip boat's already up in montana do a walleye trip 25th of june no yep. problems no conflicts um <laughs> they can come fish with us anytime oh mean. i'll throw this in
1: that's priceless i'll yeah. throw this
0: in here's another thing this is that has a lot of value we will talk about that boat on this show 10 times. Oh, wow. Enormous and value.
3: On my personal Instagram. How many times? That's it, my, my whole Instagram will just be around that boat.
1: Cause Cause I'm, that, just, I'm just lending I you my Phil boat. I want <laughs> install <laughs>
0: that whistle I can't do. I'm just it, lending the, you my the, boat. <laughs> I want Phil to install that astonishment whistle. <laughs> we will spend so much time on that boat. You know, not do that chat? whistle? Like when you're astonished. Oh, yeah.
2: We'd probably get a, like a Wi-Fi hotspot on that boat and just work
3: on the boat. I spend a certain amount of time in my boat that's not as much as I'd like because of windy days. I can't get out there on windy days.
0: Man, I think the boat manufacturers are going to be beating your door down, dude.
1: I think we're just going to cut this out and I'm just giving you my boat.
0: <laughs> see, that's how, that's how compelling this whole thing is. Yeah, yeah. no, I
1: see I see the value. <laughs> like, we're going to sell a lot of catch and cook. We're... <laughs> there
0: you uh, go. Okay, you ready to move on? That that covers boat news. Now, people yep. are probably so excited about the walleye boat they forgot about the big tuna kayak, but remember. Yep. Uh vaccinating zoo animals. Wow. This has been going on for quite a <laughs> while, but I want to cover it. like the transition? No, yeah. You'd like the transition there?
2: That was it's so hard transition. Yeah. <laughs> speaking Real of walleye smooth. boats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> speaking of walleye boats. Vaccinating zoo animals. This caught my eye. There was uh, a picture of uh, where they're fixing to vaccinate some stuff for COVID. The Phoenix, I was reading an article where the Phoenix, Arizona Zoo is the latest to vaccinate animals that are uh, likely to get COVID because of close contact with humans. I didn't know this. Um, Nebraska's Lincoln Children's Zoo, they lost three snow leopards to COVID. Really? Yeah. So they worked up... who's uh, was this outfit that worked up this... Uh, Zotus. Zotus, a global animal health company based in New Jersey. Worked up uh, some kind of vaccine. Donated doses for the zoos. And they got authorized emergency use for endangered species. So they've been vaccinating uh, Sumatran tigers... Jaguars, African lions, hitting them with a dart gun.
2: Huh. For those unvaccinated folks that better watch out, sometimes people, the government's just going to come over. Out, like
0: no. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good conspiracy to start. <laughs> <laughs> hit, hit I, was work, I worked up another conspiracy I'm going to start. Like, it was kind of just a fun one to start about how to stay warm in cold weather, um like a physiology thing. And then we could work one up that we heard like all those black helicopters that were going to do like, you know, new world order. They're now just using them to vax people who don't, who won't get vaxxed with Trank darts. That's what happened (laughs) to Chester's cousin. Yeah. (laughs) Right, Chester? Yeah. yeah. Um, they've been, did I say African lions with with a dart? Um, Bornean orangutans, Emperor Tamarins. They're hitting the fruit bats. That seems, that makes sense to me. Egyptian fruit bats. Armadillas, sloths. That
1: must be a pretty tiny dose in a bat.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you figure? How, who, it'd be interesting who calculates that out. Uh, at that zoo, the Phoenix Arizona Zoo, they've 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 uh, they've needled seventy five animals. I w- I'm going to put this on my Instagram: a picture of a jaguar. They're doing, and I had the comment on as what I'm going to put on Instagram is a comment about I could picture it causing creating some real soul searching at PETA people for the ethical treatment of animals they probably will have to have a meeting about whether they like vehemently oppose or vehemently support yeah because they're down on zoos anyway they're down on pet ownership right so how do they feel like this animal has no say. Like they don't like um, sexual mutilation of animals when you when you cut their nuts off and stuff. Yeah. Maybe they do. I don't know. But um, yeah. Like, are they? How do you spin that in that org? Good. Good question. Like, are they like pissed or do they like it? Because you, one could argue, one could say, "Hey, man, it's not the jaguar's fault that he's in the zoo. That sucks for him. They shouldn't be able to do that." But since he is there, the least you can do is keep him from dying, catching COVID. Like that's an approach or it'd be, the other approach would be, this is yet another example of us forcing our will on animals without their consent, you know, consent.
1: Yeah, they'll have some internal meetings about that.
0: I feel like they should dial me in for those meetings. (laughs) I'd be like, listen, man, I know you and I got our differences, but I'm very interested in this one. (laughs) And we should, We uh, I'd like to help hash this one out. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. After we did our episode, which one of you guys, I can never remember who was on these shows. Were you guys there for Doug and Heffelfinger? No. We were there with, no, the the podcast. It was called Talking About Things That Are Not Sexy To Talk About. Yeah, no, that that was, that was Spencer and
3: who else was there? Not us.
0: Not us. Well. In the, in the episode talking about things that are not sexy to talk about, uh, I talked about Doug sending me mean text messages and trying to start a fight with me over text. And Doug said he wasn't trying to be mean. It's just his text messages sometimes seem mean. And he says he wish he, he said he needs to be better about moderating his tone on text messages. Emojis help. Yeah, but I, I, I refuse to use emojis. There's no way in the world. You've used? Didn't you say thumbs up was
2: like one you're, time you you didn't care or you were pissed off? Like no, when you said I that. tried
1: the
0: thumbs up one time and felt so bad I could barely sleep that night. <laughs> I will not. I don't. When I text, I don't use abbreviations. I spell everything out. I punctuate everything. Basically, if you imagine, my texts are the opposite of Trump's tweets. I don't like everything is like. Perfect in my text messages. I try to make it perfect in yeah. my text messages. I don't use emojis, but I don't like when I get them. But my daughter knows I hate emojis, so she'll now and then get on her mom's phone and just send, send me bunch. like five page streams of uh,
1: of emojis. Um, you got it. I mean, but the, let me tell. You, oh, go ahead. No, like voice. You seem like the type of guy that do voice messages. Busy guy. That no, you can I get never your do. Tone that. across. You don't do that either. I don't
0: do that because I'm afraid there'd be a typo in it.
1: No, 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 but, like, straight straight voice. Like, not even not even voice the text, just, like, voice memos.
0: No, I don't do those. You don't do that? No. No, but you know what's funny about, um, here's another story about that. Okay, put this one on hold about Doug. I'm going to tell another Doug story. We laughed for, like, two years about this because Doug was doing, <laughs> Doug, we're, there's some argument with Doug Dern. I can't remember what it was. And Doug was doing, like, talking into the text. And Doug was trying to settle a disagreement with someone saying that he would arm wrestle them for it. But the way his voicing put down is that he was going to farm wrestle them for it. <laughs> and we had a lot of laughs about what exactly. Farm wrestling Doug and Bob. <laughs> like, what farm wrestling means. And we came up with a lot, of, a lot of definitions about what a farm wrestling match might look like with Doug. Like, never go to Doug's for farm wrestling. (laughs) Um, There's an app. Folks folks should know about this. It's called Our Our Family Wizard Communication App. A guy wrote in, I deal with this problem of, of tonality in text messages. I deal with this problem all the time in the context of parents who can't seem to communicate nicely with one another. This is divorced parents. In dealing about their kids. So, divorced parents, taking care of kids. I deal with this problem all the time in the context of parents who can't seem to communicate nicely with one another, and the court will often have them use the Our Family Wizard communication app with the tone meter feature turned on. Ourfamilywizard.com slash knowledge dash center slash tips dash tricks slash parents dash website slash tone meter. It'll be in the notes. You got that written down? Yeah, that was easy. (laughs) And you can get that app. Analyze your tone with Tone Meter. And they make suggestions about how to make it seem nicer. Watch this transition. Correction about gunshot wounds and tampons. Okay, we're talking about... (laughs) (laughs) We covered pretty heavily uh, people writing in about Plugging up gunshot wounds with tampons. Apparently, in the medical community, this is frowned upon. First responders, military people, are implored not to do this. This feller that wrote in goes: It is worrying that more people are talking about the improper, in this case, use of a tampon to control massive bleeding. It can be both dangerous due to debris for, getting debris further into the wounds but in a pre-hospital environment, it could be fatal. Tampons are not sterile. How is that true? Tampons are not sterile, and an article in the Emergency Medicine Journal highlights that when it comes to life-threatening bleeding, a tampon cannot provide the surface area or the pressure required to control massive bleeding. Tampons absorb blood. They do not provide any hemostatic assistance. The average tampon can absorb nine milliliters of blood or about two teaspoons. Life-threatening bleeding occurs when there is a greater than 1,500 milliliters of blood. Once it absorbs its max, wouldn't it just
1: still keep that hole plugged
0: or no? Apparently not. So just... A tourniquet or hemostatic dressing is preferred to control massive bleeding. Regular gauze may be used, but it needs to be in sufficient amount. The American College of Surgeons and Stop the Bleed Program... Recommends when you do not have hemostatic dressings, sterile dressings, or a tourniquet, use clothing to pack a wound, shirt, pants, even if it's covered in body sweat. It's more likely to provide hemorrhage control than a tampon. Huh. What brought this up is we we're decorating the family Christmas tree this year. And our kids were asking about these little snowman ornaments that my wife had, and they were, like, wondering what it was, and I'd never seen them before, but they're, like, little snowmans made out of tampons as a Christmas ornament. <laughs> <laughs> what? And then somehow it came up. Yeah.
2: Huh. My uncle one time at a boat ramp uh, slices leg real bad on the hitch, and...
0: Walking around the back of the truck? Yep. Yeah.
2: And used. that's uh, deadly.
0: It's deadly to walk around the back of a truck. Used a maxi pad on the cut and still went fishing, but. And he lived? Yeah, he's still living. Yeah, put that in your. Whoever rode in, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Chester's uncle's alive and well. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Do we need to get to the root, though? where did he get the maxi pad from? Yeah, like, yeah. why did he have this maxi yeah, pad? Chester. Where did this come from? Like, is this part of his, like, emergency kit that he keeps with him? Like, no, just in just
2: case? got to digging
0: around in the glove box. It's a, it's a, digging a, around
2: in the truck, and it's it's I'm sure it was kit. his yeah. wife's. Or, I didn't ask him. I'd be like, Uncle Pete.
0: <laughs> 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 Let's get Uncle Pete on the show. We'll talk about all about We'll do a whole episode about this. <laughs> uh, a guy wrote in. See, he made up this word. But he, we were talking about, somehow this came up on an episode a long time ago of a guy that wrote in that, uh, oh, you remember those boys? Remember when uh, Luke Combs was on the show and those guys were talking about some friend of theirs that when he uses the restroom, he needs to take all of his clothes off? Yeah, This is a real thing. It's like a psychological disorder. Yeah, I know someone like that. Yeah. This guy came up with a name called feces pantophobia. well he made the word up but he said it's like it's an actual thing it's like a this like intense fear of pooping on your pants like contact with feces and sufferers sufferers (laughs) of which he is one they take they they undress and you say when he's pooping out in the woods it's like he has still undress
1: yeah. I have worries about it in the woods when you're wearing bibs and heavy clothing and it's like, sure. I hope I don't poop back into my bibs. Yeah. It <laughs> I mean, happens. Well, not, not yet for me, but we, we had to <laughs> careful. Dirt told a great, <laughs> was it
0: dirt told that story? Dirt told a great story on, on the show years ago, or maybe not a while ago, about a guy. He knows that, um, he, he was a heavy equipment operator. And one day he's in his, equipment all day and he's smelling like the unmistakable smell of human feces. Oh. But he can't figure out the source. And he's checking his clothes and nothing makes sense. And eventually he realizes that he had landed one on his suspender. Oh. So it had got on his suspender right here, right?
1: Oh, right by his nose.
0: <laughs> so all day when he turned to the right, you know, but then when he dropped down, when he like dropped his britches and everything to try to investigate what went wrong, he never suspected that. <laughs>
1: Needs an air freshener hanging off his ear.
0: Oh there was a guy. Oh, you'll you'll appreciate this, Jay. He wrote, I am not the only one. A good buddy of mine that was with the Canadian Armed Forces. You're probably excited now, aren't you? <laughs> a minute ago, I had to explain to Jay why Canadians lack that um uh, <laughs> that American girr. Oh yeah, we got
1: right into it. <laughs> I felt attacked. <laughs> I am proud to be Canadian, but yeah. I love <laughs> Canadians, man. Every time I go up to Canada, it's good people. I think North Dakotans are as nice as Canadians. Legit- yeah,
0: don't get any ideas about invading this here. I know it like. It wouldn't
1: be nice if we could just, yeah. Can,
0: yeah, don't, don't, get, don't, don't get any ideas about Red Dawn and uh, North Dakota. Um friend of the Canadian Armed Forces told me a story about when they were on maneuvers that required biosecurity suits to be worn for an extended period of time. A fellow soldier actually got, this is not the word he used, but we'll say poopy dab inside his suit. (laughs) And because of the nature of the maneuvers they were on, had to wear that suit for 24 hours. Oh, brutal. He now will not poop in the woods without taking his pants off. (laughs)
1: I mean, that's understandable. <laughs> that's a scarring, scarring 24 hours.
0: Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside. Planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing. Taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for Life Insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before I, a thousand times, I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance, and man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using PolicyGenius. Head to PolicyGenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's PolicyGenius.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovas is your stop before attending your next concert. Tecovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And Tecovas has first wear comfort, meaning you put them on, they feel great, little or no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Just ask my buddy Chili, who's been slipping around in his Tacoba boots talking about how great he feels in them. He loves them. Yeah, Steve, they're very comfortable, they're very fashionable, and I enjoy wearing mine around the office and anywhere I go around Bozeman. Stop by your local Tacoba store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized and with regular live music and events there's no in-store experience like it if you can't make it to a store just visit tacovas.com that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today man i just got a new truck before i even drove my new truck anywhere i wasn't gonna drive it anywhere until i put a deck system in it that's, a, that's what a believer i am in decked i always thought they were a great deal but now they're even better because they have redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. It's like, I didn't know there was a problem with them. I don't know, they seem great to me. It's just an improvement on perfection. The new system, made in the USA, gives you 10 to 30% bigger drawers to fit more gear. It's lockable and secure, right? Weatherproof storage for all your gear. You build it right into your truck bed. You still have a truck bed you can put stuff on. The top deck of the new system has eight D-ring tie-downs integrated into the steel. So you have really burly anchor points to hook stuff down on your bed. So you got to slam on the brakes or take off real fast. Nothing shifts. And like I said, they're, they're D-rings that lay real flat. Like you still slide stuff right across the deck. It doesn't catch on the D-rings. The D-rings are built in. The drawer system fits any truck or van on the road in the USA from the last 20-plus years. Deck is a game-changer. There's no more, like, leaving stuff at home that you wish you had with you. The stuff I want in my truck is in my truck, out of the way, and secure. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. I was saying how I wanted to go around, and, like, you know when you're driving down the road, and they have, like, a sign that says, like, historical marker ahead? Yeah. And you pull over, and it be like, at this site, the first grist mill was, right? Opened in 1750. Um. I was saying they should do that where birds went extinct. But they do do that where birds went extinct. I didn't know this. The Lost Bird Project already did it. They've erected memorials to the Heath Hen, Carolina Parakeet, Labrador Duck, Great Auk, Passenger Pigeon. The Great Auk up in your neck of the woods there, Jay, up in Canada. The Heath Hen um, in New England. Carolina Parakeet down in Florida. The passenger pigeon in Ohio, the Labrador Dock in New York. All these little memorials. And then they sent some pictures of the various memorials in. They have a bronze statue of Martha, the last passenger pigeon. At her near the aviary where she died.
2: It's funny how all hmm. of those are out east. Like those memorials.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point. They dot the eastern seaboard. Yeah. Maybe they don't have a travel budget. guy wrote in about cooking diaphragms so someone wrote in saying that he's always cut the diaphragm off his big game harvest and left it with a gut pile but then this is someone writing in but then he got to thinking why not eat the muscle since it looks like it could make a pretty decent sized meal well thankfully um, this guy's probably been eating diaphragm his whole life and doesn't know it so when you go and you get uh, flank steak, skirt steak, right? Skirt steak is like skirt is diaphragm, so it's like skirt is where the diaphragm hooks into the rib cage. So when you're gutting a deer and you go to like when you're gutting the deer and you want to clear the diaphragm out so you can pass everything back, and you trace the diaphragm along the wall of the rib like that, that junction. Where the diaphragm kind of goes into a little mass of muscle that seems to be like glued up against the ribs, that's skirt. And hanger is like the rear part of the diaphragm. So you've been eating that stuff your whole life. The problem is on deer, it's just not like big enough to mess with, but you get up up into something like a moose, you can make, you can do like legit skirt steak off a moose. Kevin Gillespie goes on to say, you should also tell them that on larger animals, the chef, Kevin Gillespie, You should also tell them that on larger animals, such as bison, wildebeest, elk, there is another muscle that sits just below the diaphragm and helps it contract. Technically, it is the crura of the diaphragm, but culinarily, we know it as hanger steak, and it's incredible. Now, here's what I want to dig into a fair bit because this has enormous implications. This just happened. Utah... So, a while ago, I hit the news that Arizona was banning trail cams during hunting season. Yep. Okay. Montana, right now, you can't use trail cams during hunting season that transmit a signal. So, that transmit messages. So, a divided Utah wildlife board voted to ban trail cams for hunting when these motion-activated devices are used to aid... In the taking of game, their use is like obviously proliferated all over the place. There are there I've seen stuff on social media. This is not the article I'm looking at, but just me talking. I have seen stuff on social media where guys will go to like a water hole in the Arizona Strip, and there'll be 24 trail cams hanging around. Um, sometimes their use, like this, is just speaking personally. Sometimes their use is kind of like. You see some strange use of trail cans on public land too. Uh, I, I was hunting turkeys with my kids in the area, but it was like a pretty popular hiking trail, right? And it's game uses it, but it's through this kind of like big landscape funnel through a little pass and a lot of animals use it, but people use it all the time. And like eyeball level, it, there it is, you know? And you can't really go through the area. Like when you go through the area, you're sort of like submitting to be photographed. It's not even like in a sort of a discreet, out-of-the-way place. It's just like, and I remember going by it, and I actually started having my kids. I'm like, you know what? Go around that way. Hmm. I just don't want like all my, I don't like pictures of my kids like some guy's trail cam. I don't know.
1: I uh, Yeah, that's kind of weird. I got a, I got a story that kind of ties these two together the, the pooping and the trail cams. Oh,
0: that's great. Cause why didn't you do that earlier?
1: Well, I didn't, I didn't know the trail cam uh, topic was going to come up, but uh, my uncle Mark and I, that's a good explanation. We (laughs) my uncle Mark and I were coming back from hunting and I was like, yeah, I just got to check this trail cam and he'd been hunting the same property as me. So we, we park and we walk and all of a sudden his face just drops and he's like, you had a trail cam set there. And I'm like, yeah, why? What's the big deal? He's like, Oh, I, I, did, uh, I did some business right over there, right in front of the trail cam the other day. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, trail cam pictures of him. Like, Is that right? Eh. Can you send those to me? Nah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I deleted those.
0: I had a trail cam behind our fish shack and my buddy pulled the card. I still haven't gotten the card back because his wife was peeing back there and he took the card. <laughs> um, now, as I cover this piece, of, as I talk about this subject, I want people to know that I right now at this moment like at this moment, I have a trail cam out on private land. Um, and I have a trail cam out on public land that I was fixing to go fetch, but haven't gone fetch. But it's not like a transmitting one. Okay, so I have one out. So, is this is this banned just for public land, Utah, or is it just private and public during hunting season? Wow, used to be used in the aid in the taking a game. But it goes, there's some other wrinkles of this that are really interesting. This, this ban applies to cameras with internal storage memory as well as those that transmit images to the hunter's cell phone. The prohibition does not apply to private landowners monitoring their property and agricultural operations or municipalities participating in the urban deer program. But it does apply to most hunting on both private and public land. That's pretty straightforward. Rolled in with this, which is very interesting, is it's also banned. This, this Okay, again, this is something that Arizona did and Utah did. These are not, like, these are these are very conservative states, right? These are, uh, you know, this isn't, you know, if you heard about this coming, no offense, if it was, like, from New Jersey, you could picture someone being like, that's not fair to the animals, you know? Um in sort of the wrong way, but this is like very, like an internal hunting dialogue. Yeah. This isn't, I don't think that, like I'm guessing, I'm trying to find a way to to, to express this more clearly. This isn't, like in these states, I I, I I suspect that it's not the case of non-hunting individuals screwing with hunters. Yeah. Like in the case where you get like a ban on bear hunting. It's like, it's not coming from hunters, it's coming from, Non-hunters trying to dick with hunters. Yeah, this is like an internal hunting conversation in these states. is is, is my gut on this from what I've read about it. It's like a, it's in a conversation among the hunting community. They've also, and this is really interesting. I want to dedicate these next few sentences to Spencer Newhart mm-hmm. because you know Spencer always is such pain in the ass about stuff. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Well, the other day while we were loading up, to, while we were getting ready to go pike spearing, I, did you notice me being on the phone? Yep, I was on the phone with Spencer Newhart. What was he being a pain in the ass about? About me saying to him, "I'm like, I want to um, do a deep dive on our website. I want to have one of our like, a, like one of our sort of investigative writers, yep. do a deep dive about what is the future of trail cam use." And he was like, "Oh, yeah, probably won't be like a huge performer, but it will probably do okay." he doesn't talk like that beach nut you know beach Old beach nut. he's but he's he's usually right about that kind of stuff well i know i told him i didn't care because he's really good at it that's not the part he's being a pain in the ass about okay i said to him also i already texted him this morning about this i said to him also i think that you should probably start paying attention to thermal night vision stuff i think that there's going to be a lot of discussions about thermal night vision and then we went on to discuss how it's Pretty fringe because it's like hog hunters, right? And hogs are hog hunters are killing invasive hogs, mm-hmm. um, like totally unregulated. Like tr- people are trying to get rid of them, so who would ever have a complaint with that? Yep. Right, and then increasingly, coyote hunters.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
0: like rewriting predator hunting, thermal night vision stuff. Yep, changing everything. And I said, but I still would advise you. And he was kind of, he was kind of like dismissive of what I was saying. Utah has banned thermal imaging night vision devices. And I'm guessing this doesn't say, but, but I know from, I've heard more and more and more and more from people who are using it to scout. Mm, Yep, That you can go out in the dark and get onto a herd elk in the dark and monitor their movements through the night and be ready for illegal light. Yeah. Makes sense. And follow them right? Yep. Find them in their beds. Find You can go out, at, you can find where a deer's bedded. No problem. Um, So Utah is uh, throwing that in.
1: What sort of range do those things have? Like how, how close do you have to be to the animal for it to... Not close. Not, yeah.
0: We had the, uh, I've been very curious about it. So I, I, uh, got to spend some time with um some thermal night vision equipment uh we we got some so there's a place uh, ultimate night vision and they rent um thermal night vision gear and we got some to go out and uh, hunt coyotes at night for a couple nights and there's like a big learning curve and you're learning to use it but i'll tell you one of the main things about it is like it is really interesting to see what goes on at night And just the different way, the way animals behave and stuff is so just different at night. It was like, like I'm, I'm like happy for the experience of going out and witnessing what it looks like. You got to learn it. Um, there's a lot of stuff with depth perception that's hard, but I mean, it was cool, man. And you know, this is after all the big game seasons were over. So like this sort of thing, like using it for hunting of big game, wouldn't have any implications for us because the season was done anyways. But was that down in Texas? No, no, we did. No, we used in Montana at night. Um, and just like using predator calls at night and seeing the way it, just the, 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 the different attitude that things have at night about that call. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but that, yeah. So they, they, they did that. So to craft this camera rule, they surveyed 9,000 licensed hunters seeking data on, um, how people are going about it. Right. This surprised me. Fifty-seven percent of those mugs hadn't used trail cams.
5: Hmm.
0: Uh, only eight percent of the mugs they interviewed were using transmitting cameras. I thought it'd be way higher than that. Yeah. I think that stuff's just catching on, though. Yeah,
3: those, I didn't know. Those, I didn't know that. I didn't like know... a year from now, I, I think that would be totally different. You think so? It's just catching. It's on. just. I think it's just catching on.
1: Those transmitting cameras, like I've just had headaches with them so many times, yeah. and it's like. I consider myself a techie person and it's still just like, you know, yep. you got a lot of people that can barely use their cell phones, let alone try to yeah. figure out how to link a, a camera. Up yeah. There. Yeah, and they're, yeah, yeah.
4: I think though the you're going to see more and more because of the price point, right? The yeah. price points already dropped in half for what it was like three or four years ago. Totally, Where it was four five, $600 for those. And now you can get a decent one for, you know, 150, 180.
0: That's yeah. a good point. Cause even like with Jay, what's, what your live scope, yeah. you have a Garmin live scope. Yep. I was like jealous of that, and in the back of my head, I'm like, man, I guarantee, like in a year, it's going to be half the price. In a year, I will get it for half the price, and it'll somehow be better. Yep, it's going to get there. But the thing you're is, like, like, you're like early. You're like an early adopter on a live scope.
1: Yeah, and if you're a tournament guy, it's like that's the edge. You need to spend that little bit of extra money to get that edge. And uh, if Garmin wants to send these boys a couple live scopes to the Walleye Tour, <laughs> 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 thanks, Jay. Danny Thompson,
4: Thompson, Danny I, Thompson, I if you're they, listening
0: to this, I wouldn't mind if they kicked one in for me. And (laughs) they should know that I have a lot of Garmin products, dude. And I just ordered a Garmin dive watch. Nice. I have a Garmin. Man, I got a lot of Garmin products. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) haven't got my dive watch yet. I got an MK1. Nice. What the hell was I talking about? Oh, here's the other even. I'm going to, like, normally if you study journalism in college, they'll tell you this. They'll tell you, like, when you write an article, put the most important thing up top. And then you work down in levels of interest and importance right mm-hmm. so it'd be like um seth dies right and then you'd go down and be like oh so that's how seth died and then you would go down a little more and then eventually at the bottom would be like seth had a dog you know it's sort of the article would flow like that pretty cool dog yep uh, i'm doing it the opposite because here's the most interesting part of this to me yeah coming at the end uh they're putting an end to the sale of data and images produced by trail cameras. Meaning there are guys like, and I know some of these guys, there are guys that are professional scouts. And they sell um they're professional scouts that find animals and sell animals to governors' tag holders. They they sell animals to outfitters. So they'll go out and they'll find, like, you know, they go out and find like a 220-inch mule deer, right? They can sell that knowledge about that animal and sell
1: the photos of that animal and the waypoints. That's pretty that. tough to track. I would yeah, think that'd be a tough thing for them to crack down on.
0: One of the guys that didn't like this rule that they interview, um, they mentioned, uh, uh, he had a hard time with enforcement. Yeah. Cause you're saying like, okay, on private land, you can use it to monitor your property. Okay. So this guy's like, Ooh, big buck. Can't look at that. Not gonna let that change my hunt plans. Yeah. Yeah, Come on. yeah, it's gonna be tough. Um, just the other day, I uh, texted a buddy of mine because we're trying to plan out next year's bobcat trip, and I texted a buddy of mine that it said, "You got any? What's going on with bobcats up in your neck of the woods?" Right. What's he send me? Two seconds later, trail cam picture of a bobcat, and that probably influenced my decision making at that point where I was like, "Ooh, woohoo!" Yeah, <laughs> tell me more, right? Not able to sell that stuff if you're a professional scout, mm-hmm. scouter.
5: Which, I
0: kind of makes sense in a way. Yeah.
3: Fair chase. You hear that little clap I did? Go find it yourself. Yeah, I like that. What's that for? What, eh, I don't know what it means, man.
0: Move on. Just felt like a transition. Yeah. Just felt like I needed to put a clap in there. I don't it know. was like a bookend. Yeah, that's what it meant to be. It was like a book closing. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So let me, let me, you know, I did my book close too early. I think that I wonder if this is going to be a thing because if if you're sitting at home trying to think about how technology intersects with hunting and hunting practices, fishing practices, um, I think there's a great example to be found in drones. And I was talking to this with uh, old Beach Nut the other day, Spencer. Uh, while you guys were loading up gear Mm -hmm. and we were talking, we were talking about the example of what happened with drones, okay? The minute drones became, like the minute there was a discussion about using drones for hunting, like overnight 13 states and then a bunch more followed, but immediately 13 states in the West, like open country states where drones would be particularly helpful because they're open ground, 13 states came in and said no. No. No drones in hunting, no use of drones and hunting. And I was like, it was interesting that they got on it so fast Yeah, because they, they did it before there was a user group before it had become woven into the hunting culture and Spencer brought up, he said, but drones went from zero to 60 because like the, the, the initial, the, the first initial thing that it was good for was it was good for mounting a camera. That's like what made them what they were. Like if you couldn't mount a camera on them, it's a toy helicopter, like no one cares. So he's like, it went from zero to 60 and you could immediately see it. He goes, if you go back in trail cam history, it was like a thing could, like initially, a thing could like tell you that something passed by, right? And it evolved and you you built up this user group of people. You built up a big industry for it. There's a lot of companies that make trail cams. People have been using trail cams for a decade or more, right? But then trail cams hit to this certain level of sophistication and this certain price point Whereas now it's like very achievable to get a camera that sends you messages that says like right now, right now, there's a buck in that field to your phone. And so for now, for state game agencies to want to go like, man, it's kind of getting ridiculous. Now we got to like clamp down on this. You're going to be battling against people who this is like woven into their the cultural fabric of hunting. Well, and there's more, and it's just going to be harder. And drones were like they got drones before drones were a thing. Yeah. For well, there's people.
1: there's more gray area with the trail cams, like you said, the like landowners. A drone is like if you put a flying object in the sky with a camera, it's like that's a no go. But the the trail cam thing is a little more mm-hmm. touchy. Like a lot of uh, provinces will say you can't even have your drone along when you're hunting. Like if it's and that for me that's tough because I'm always filming stuff. But like even from a non-hunting standpoint, if you just you just can't have the drone in your vehicle. Yeah. Like. That's a no go. Yeah. A lot of states you can't you can't be like like say I I'm Chet and
3: i are hunting a, a property and I see a buck heading his way. I can't text him and be like, "Hey Chet, big buck coming. Yeah, like be ready." That but you know, you can have in a lot of states you can have a trail camera that's on a trail a couple hundred yards from you and get a, a picture a, a picture sent to your phone of a buck walking
0: past that trail camera heading in
3: your yeah, direction. it's the same thing. It's the same damn thing.
0: You know what? Uh, what else Spencer annoyed me about? When I was talking to him about doing like a big thing, like sort of the pros, the cons, get a bunch of perspectives on like where trail cams are headed, I was saying to him, um, "I don't want, I don't want you guys all." He's the guy I'm going to talk about. It's been on the show, but I'm not going to say who he is. There's a, there's a guy I know that manages a large property. He's been on the show. Um, I'll let him talk about this, but I want to talk about it for him and name him. Anyway, he said, and he's in a state where there's no prohibitions on trail cams whatsoever. He this year for the first time ever during hunting season turned them all off. He said it was just changing the game so much and getting too weird. Yeah, that he knew where everything because he's got twenty some, you know, out. And when they're and he's a he's a property manager on a hunting property, and it just got to be where like it just rewrote everything. Oh, one's coming down the field edge right now.
1: Well, that's kind of just like the live scope. That's got the message. It's just like live scope. You see the fish coming. Yeah. They can't hide anymore. It's like
0: So he voluntarily turned his he voluntarily turned his off and he said it was nice. He he, he was like he was glad that he did it and want to send to like sort of change in the hunting season. Yeah. And he, he uh so anyway, Spencer's like, "Yeah, well, that's kind of an anomaly and that doesn't matter." I'm like, "You wouldn't be able to if you were a journalist, you wouldn't be able to write about murder." Because murder's an anomaly. Do you know what I mean? Yep. He wouldn't be able to be like, so-and-so brutally murdered someone, because that's weird, by his logic. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Why why Spencer was so annoying right there?
2: (laughs) (laughs) With all this crazy technology.
0: (laughs) Oh, sorry, I was going to do the bookend again. Go ahead, Chester.
2: With all this crazy technology, it just makes me think that people just have to be as responsible as they can with it and obviously you know like with live scope, for instance being able to target a school of crappies way better than you used to once people actually really figure out how to use it not just going out there and like just limiting and keeping their limits all the time you know um, just being responsible with it.
4: Well there's like a I call it a wives tale, but we say back home that if you, if you laid out a hundred percent of the fish that are caught, right, hundred percent of those fish are caught by less than 20% of those anglers, right? Because of skill, because of ability, because of mobility, things like that. Yeah. Electronics are changing that, that percentage, like you're saying, is definitely going to go up. Because it's no longer about just knowing patterns or having the right baits or, you know, the boat to get there. Those electronics take
1: the guesswork the, the guesswork guess completely out of it. Like map chips. When you can go to a lake you've never been to before and you have one foot contours. I remember like 10 years ago, fishing with my buddy and he would have like pictures and we'd triangulate it. And it was just, you know, it felt so archaic. And now there's just, you roll up to a lake and you can have where all the old road beds are and weed lines and everything.
5: Mm-hmm
0: yeah uh here's the final thing I'm gonna say about it. Then I'm gonna do the bookend thing again. Uh, we'll all do it at the count of three if everybody, when everybody's good. but I think that uh like I've expressed I- I've tried to explain a perspective on this a handful of times where when looking at like practices, hunting practices, I, I tend to I tend to take the approach where like historical use patterns, okay, like historical use, cultural practices, Like that stuff needs to be honored and respected. If it's something that's, if it's a a sustainable practice and people have been doing it a long time, like I'd honor that. So if you're in a state where people have run black bears, hunted black bears with hounds and they've been doing it and they have a stable bear population and they've been at it for 200 years. um, To me, that's like, that's in that's grandfathered in like, don't mess with that. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a cultural practice. I think that like as you get into the technology stuff, um you're gonna continue you're gonna have to continue to have conversations about um I think it's fair game to have conversations about incoming technology. I'd rather do that than go and revisit cultural practices and and try to like get rid of that stuff yeah, and you got and I think that you got if you're if you're a manager, I think you gotta look like out on the horizon and you gotta see what's coming. And if, and if you think something's going to become problematic down the road, I would suggest that you get on it a little early before it becomes woven into the, into the cultural fabric of, you know, in the hunting community. Yeah. And it's going to be hard. If you came in now and said, you know what, after careful consideration, I think that the compound bow is just too effective. Right. Good luck. (laughs) Right. Good luck.
1: But you could have honestly have had that chat in
0: 1980.
1: They're trying they're, there's talks about uh, live bait getting cut out of Manitoba. And that's something it's like, well, these people have been using live bait for however many years it's been grandfathered in, so it's a it's a tough discussion.
0: Yeah, if you're getting rid of live bait to make room for live scopers to catch more fish, that's a real problem for yeah. me. Yeah. It's a real problem for me.
2: The crossbow thing's another big issue. Yeah. All
0: right. One, we- two, three. Okay. Everybody's done talking about that. <laughs> Mandy, can you do me the favor of laying out like where we are and what's going on and about how everything's underwater and shit like that? <laughs> All right, take it away. Uh, Cause you grew up in this neck of the woods. So you got like an inside, you have land that's currently, uh, people are probably fishing on your land right now.
4: They are. Yeah. They, they actually are. That That, that is a hundred percent for sure. Uh, most people would call it BFE, but we are in the beautiful state of North Dakota. Uh, we're in the Devils Lake area. Currently, we are on the far, far west end, uh, over in, in the Minnewaukan area, in our cozy shack chalet here.
0: Our double wide. Our double
4: wide. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just a really small community that's that's grown a little bit with the oil booms out for a little bit further out west. But it's a fishing community. It's a fishing farming community. Um, yeah and you're talking about 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 the lake growing uh it's blown up uh, obviously it's been a big deal it's been going on now it's hard to say that it's been going on for a couple decades i really feel the water rise the water rise correct so um the lake actually for like the the eight most of the 80s we were kind of in a drought pattern here um it, it, the, the interesting part too is uh, when the, we were in a drought pattern and the waters were exceptionally low like there was really high mercury levels here in the water uh, the salinity levels were really high like there was actually like uh, warnings out for the amount of fish and th- hmm. that you could eat based on yep. those things um, so yeah uh, we had some historic snow events we got back to regular rain uh, patterns snow patterns we had a 500 year event a 100 year event and then regular, more regular rain events. And I think it's like a million acres plus now, but it's so odd to see that, uh, roads are gone. Houses are gone. Farms are gone. Tree lines are gone. Uh, roads have been built up 50, 60 feet in some areas to make them still passable. Other ones they've just completely abandoned. Um, it's
0: crazy. Yeah. And tell about, tell about the, the the place you grew up on just, uh, just as an example.
4: So, so where I grew up on, uh, over on Black Tiger Bay, which actually used to be the farthest east portion of Devil's Lake. Um, where we actually fished day one was actually not connected. Yep, I, po- I, yeah. yeah, I yeah. remember like, <laughs> you point yeah, I remember you pointing I remember
0: pointing to where your place would have been.
4: Correct. Uh yeah, the water just started started rising and it actually rose fairly quick, uh, the the first couple of years to the to the point where um accesses had to be moved people lost homes you couldn't move cabins things like that Uh, and it just swallowed it up like if you couldn't if you couldn't physically move that structure it's gone
0: were they gutting those houses of um like like hauling away propane hauling away like stuff they didn't want to get in the water or was it happening too fast
4: that's a really good question uh like where we were at uh you jumped on it as fast as you could, but there was still so you had to pick and choose, right? Like the structures that you could possibly change, and they're just we're, we're remote here, and you can only move so much, mm-hmm. um, realistically. Like we gave, like we gave trailers away. We just sent it no out kidding, there really? and just said, "Come get them," because we're gonna lose them, right? Like we didn't have the money to pay all that, to have them moved, but we didn't want them to go to waste. and We definitely didn't want them to be underwater. Right. So just come get these structures. They're yours. But it, it's weird to say that there's where we're at. There's a mile and a half underwater. It's underwater. Like it's gone. Yeah. We under, still-
0: under like under 60, under 60 vertical feet of water, but you'd have to go a mile and a half out. Correct. From the shoreline.
4: Yes. Yes. So how,
0: how fast did the water rise?
4: Oh, um, we had a bunch of issues and Jake can actually chime in on this too. Like the, the big trigger point was like in the nineties, um, actually kind of like in the, in the late nineties, um, we had bad, bad flooding. You know, a ton of snow, spring melt off, all these things. It was like the perfect storm of everything to to happen. And that initial jump was crazy uh, to the point where they couldn't get caught up. And if you notice the road structure around here, like we drove over a couple of those bridges, like those are gone, right? So to drive all the way around like 60, 70, 80 miles because yeah. you can't Drive across, you know, cut across, Um, and then it just continued to go. It just continued until we're at where we're at right now. Like the bowl is full.
0: Yeah, that's that's another thing that um, this is like a dead end basin. So normally you think of like flooding in a river valley. It's just that the river valley can't drain it fast enough. But you know, floods go away pretty quick. But here you're flooding an area that that the outflow is is very high
1: up so you could it could hold all this water for such a long period of time well it's so flat here like this is the we were talking about this yesterday the catchment area for so much like yeah when it all the water just collects here it's yeah it it brings a a wide and it's
0: it eventually is gonna it eventually drains out in which direction when it leaves here
4: well currently i and and i shouldn't say that i should have double checked but historically um, they have been draining one to two inches off every month, and they've been draining it into the Cheyenne River. Put, uh, very, very controlled. They um, have a
2: couple big pump houses, correct? Yeah. Pump, like on Minnewauken inside here and then one on the west side, right?
4: Correct. There's a few of them. Um, and or east side. The reason why they have to go into there, we... It'd make more sense, right, to go into the Red River. The problem is, as the Red River flows north and it flows into Canada.
1: We don't want your water. <laughs> I
2: thought they, I thought they yeah, I understand something. Like, what's southern. wrong with the
1: water, man? it's I full thought... of big walleyes. Well, that's true. She's the <laughs> biologist. She could probably speak more to that. It's <laughs> actually
0: guys, full uh, of big like, walleyes. You guys feel like you just got. You guys feel up in Canada. You're gonna have to speak for the whole nation. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> you guys feel like you're just good on water. Yeah, we're set. Yeah.
1: We're set. We got we got enough fresh water. Okay.
4: Trust me, we send them enough every spring that uh, causes flooding for them too. So, because we melt here obviously before they do, and that water's all running north, and they haven't thawed yet. So, like the Winnipeg area all along there, it floods pretty bad. It's a it's a serious thing.
0: Talking about good American water here, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pass. We'll
4: pass. <laughs> you so guys it, start
0: drinking that water. You'll get a lot more grrr up in that country. <laughs> more aggression.
2: <laughs> 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 so this. <laughs> this water does make it to Canada, though, right? Is what, like Cheyenne nor- flowing north? It...
0: I don't know what way you're pointing. I, I'm, there,
2: <laughs> well, I'm I'm just saying Dev- Devils Lake naturally overflows into the Cheyenne River. The Cheyenne River is a tributary of the Red River
1: of the North, which flows into Canada. Ooh, the plot thickens. I'm not familiar with the Cheyenne, so I mean, if it goes into the Red, then yeah, it comes into Canada.
0: So you are getting married but
1: very water. slowly <laughs> <laughs>
0: they red don't want to go in direct
1: the red river's still doing good
0: well uh we'll research this and find out but uh back to your place can can you explain the property tax things that's really interesting to me that for a while you had to pay taxes on land that was underwater
4: correct it, it, if you think about the farms you know I'm, my heart bleeds for for that that's what my family does is farms too and uh thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of underwater. We're talking row crop and cattle, things like that. Uh, And because you owned it, you still had to pay property tax on
0: it. Even though people are driving over it in boats. Correct. It's
4: underwater. So they, they actually had to go. And like I said, because that water rose so fast and they were trying to deal with FEMA. And I mean, all the other disaster federal things like that, it it kind of got lost in the mix per se. Right. Because it has to go through the legislature and all that. So yeah, it took them a while for them to repeal that law So now you don't have to pay tax, but you still own that land. So if the water ever magically recedes, like back down to, you know, the late 80s, early 90s level, like there's going to be a whole lot of property out there.
0: You know, we we covered it's the same. I think it's the same weather events in an area in South Dakota. And I don't know if you've had a similar problem up here, but in South Dakota, there were there was a lot of controversy where with the rising water. Inundating farmland and residential properties, um, even though taxes were suspended on the submerged water, there were people going in and running buoy markers along their property lines,
1: oh, to keep anglers and hunters
0: out. But then having what everybody said like private parts of the lake, so you're so you would buoy off your farm with buoy strings and uh, just have it be like you could fish it. But then people were like, but it's it's the fish are the, you know, from state stocking program, and it, this was going on at the time. Yeah. And he said like naturally the way that everybody thinks is then people would go and all line up along the buoy fence because like it's got to be better over there, so they'd go fish along that edge, you know, thinking that that's where all the fish were hiding is over on the private property, which yeah. is like a like like a very much like a hunting thing, you know. Um, and people were hashing that out. Was that a thing? Was that were you seeing that up here where people were like fencing off with buoy markers? What would have been their lot?
4: No, no, this is way too big of big of waters, but. The, that whole South Dakota gig is really interesting too because that kind of happened around the same time I feel like a little bit sooner um, at, at Wabe specifically uh-huh. that that comes to mind right away I, there's literally a few accesses where the silos of the farms that's all that's sticking out of the top of the water right yeah like, we
0: were in some of those areas Correct. Yeah. like crazy. that's the
4: structure in the in in Wabe is, yeah. is those old farmsteads but the crazy part which you guys should do a little bit of research, on they started like putting in these public accesses, right? Which then they then repealed later. Oh, okay. Uh, which has been really been a big controversy there. So there, it was already a pothole, like littered with potholes, but obviously rising waters, things spill over. Yeah. Like private land becomes now public waters. It, it's a big controversy there. Uh, and it just kind of keeps going. But they kind of gave us like a, a pre-shot highlight of what was going to happen almost but this happened on a a bigger scale
0: do you ever take um do you ever take a boat and go cruise around on like what like over your property no i
4: i I haven't actually uh i I think it would be really really interesting uh to to go see and look at what's what's there and how deep it is It, it oh yeah to
0: go down there with some dive gear
4: it's it's heartbreaking. Look for your old stuff? Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking, right? Like, this is where I, where I grew up. This is where this love and this passion and my best memories of my dad and my, my family are at. And you, you make new, but it would be, it's hard.
1: So no. did, did the fishing, as soon as the water got up, was the fishing just like instantly... That much better than before? Like with all that extra
4: within a year or two weeks, you got all that extra structure, you got all that extra cover, you've got way more water. Like right? a ton of spotting oh, water. Had to, right?
0: It had to have allowed it had to have made fish stocks just explode, man. Yeah. Imagine just how much and how
1: much nutrients. Because when I yeah, in the nineties I just heard about devils all the time. I'm not sure if that would be considered the peak of the fishery, like but
4: Yeah, I would say. Yeah, and that was the weird part too. Like I can remember the worst algae blooms like i mean split green pea soup disgusting the whole entire lake
0: in the old days in
4: the old days right and i'm maybe on some small bays now but you just don't have that right you know i think there was a lot of concern too when we had all this overland flooding um because of the residual uh chemicals right coming off croplands coming coming from the structures that had been flooded what was going to happen right what was going to happen with that water quality was it I mean, were we going to kill fish? Were we going to have some catastrophic events here based on uh, the facilities that had been swallowed up whole by it?
0: This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, meaning you put them on, they feel great. Little or no break-in, period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Just ask my buddy Chili who's been slipping around in his Tacoba boots talking about how great he feels in them. He loves them. Yes, yeah, Steve, they're very comfortable, they're very fashionable, and I enjoy wearing mine around the office and anywhere I go Ron Bozeman. Stop by your local Tacoba store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized and with regular live music and events there's no in-store experience like it if you can't make it to a store just visit tacovas.com that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today man i just got a new truck before i even drove my new truck anywhere i wasn't gonna drive it anywhere until i put a deck system in it that's, a, that's what a believer i am in decked i always thought they were a great deal but now they're even better because they have redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. It's like, I didn't know there was a problem with them. I don't know, they seem great to me. It's just an improvement on perfection. The new system, made in the USA, gives you 10 to 30% bigger drawers to fit more gear. It's lockable and secure, right? Weatherproof storage for all your gear. You build it right into your truck bed. You still have a truck bed you can put stuff on. The top deck of the new system has eight D-ring tie-downs integrated into the steel so you have really burly anchor points to hook stuff down on your bed. So you got to slam on the brakes or take off real fast. Nothing shifts. And like I said, they're, they're D-rings that lay real flat. Like you still slide stuff right across the deck. It doesn't catch on the D-rings. The D-rings are built in. The drawer system fits any truck or van on the road in the USA from the last 20-plus years. Deck is a game-changer. There's no more, like, leaving stuff at home that you wish you had with you. The stuff I want in my truck is in my truck, out of the way, and secure. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. For all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. What's the sort of local um, temperature on this thing now? Are there people who are like, I like it just the
1: way it is now?
4: I can't speak for I, that. <laughs> I think ch- it's
1: conflicting because the farmers, I mean, fishermen, I'm sure, were happy when that was. I mean, oh, it's got to be like you got a
0: lot of people who just like the fish. Yeah. And they're like, no, nope, perfect. And there's a lot of people who just like the farm and they're like, this ain't acceptable. No. Yeah.
2: I uh, chatted with some folks in this area about that. And uh, I think it's like $25 million of fishing rings you know, to this economy. Uh, that was, like, back in 2005 or whatever, so it's got to be maybe greater now or whatnot, but... Oh, well, it's probably way fa- more now. Farmers are really wanting their land back, and obviously the fishermen really want to keep it. I wonder what the
1: value of those farms would be, if it'd be considerable to the $25 million or... Oh, yeah. I
0: don't know. I, mean. I don't know what a farm's worth. Like, the agricultural output... The agricultural output off all that land would d- have to dwarf the 25 twenty. The fishing act, twenty-five million dollars worth the fishing activity. I don't know. I don't know either. But um, but yeah, I
2: was I've been reading just right now on this pumping water stuff, and it is it in two thousand five they just began pumping water into the Cheyenne River, which then drains into the Red River, which flows into Manitoba and Lake Winnipeg, and then Hudson
1: Bay. It goes into the ocean eventually.
2: And they were they're worried about you know back then about the salt levels and stuff that were in here contaminating mm-hmm. like Lake Winnipeg and whatnot um, but there are four pumps put in the area to be able to do that in canals and drainage pipes um, or channels and and drainage pipes so what a project it's, it's it, yeah 20 <laughs> what did it say uh, what,
0: what is the does it what is the goal is the goal to like what year, this has got to be something people debate too, what year is regarded as normal? If normal happened to be, if normal happened to be like, if we sort of like set our expectations on normal during a major drought cycle, like what is normal?
1: Well, I don't know. The, the one map chip that uh, my, my buddy had for the area, like the Navionics, whatever it was, they say the one that shows a lot of the earlier outline is 1990 was, was a big date. Because that, that spot we were fishing was probably the 1990 roadbed. So it's 22 feet of water um, where, where we were fishing yesterday. And that was the old road, right, right with all that rubble. So I, that's the date that stuck in my head from talking to... So if you were going to pump
0: it back to normal, you're going to be pumping off 22 feet of water off of... In 1940, Devil's Lake was nearly dry. Whew.
2: And in really? June of 2011, the lake reached a modern-day record
0: high so it's been going down since then.
2: June, 2011 would, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's been going down, obviously. Hmm.
4: It can't be going down very much. <laughs> 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 Literally like, so we have all the fluctuations, right? Like this lake can fluctuate eight, nine feet a year. No problem. Right. That's okay. not a big deal. That's not based on a major drought. That's just because of so much surface area, things like that. Um, but it was just, a couple of years ago, after my dad passed, I came back out obviously to the cabins. I uh, wanted to see the property, make sure everything's good, talk to the to our neighbors, and I was nervous.
0: This is a later property.
4: Correct. Yeah. So we we were, we moved right, yeah, like yeah. we moved significantly back, um, and. I remember pulling in, and, like, the water was right there. Like, it's, t- it was, like, 22 feet. I, we got out, like, the, you know, tape measure from the back door of the cabin to the water. And I was, like, oh, my gosh. Like, what do I do? Like, this was not this close.
0: Got
4: you. You know, do we have to move this stuff again? Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, freaking out. And so the we'll see one of the accesses. I won't say exactly which one because they'll know where, where the properties are at, but this access has been moved seven times is all seven times. It's been moved on our property, but like basically eminent domain, Yeah. you know? So I've seen them move back as the water comes up when it's nice landing do you know, but it's like, now we've got that right there and I'm like, okay, what's, do they know what's going to happen or, or should we just pull the stuff now? Or is it yeah. actually going to go, you know, go back down? So,
0: They were showing us, I'm sure it happens around here, but in in South Dakota, they were showing us these, like, what they think are, like, dream boat launches, which is where highways go underwater. Oh, yeah. And they're like, no matter how high the water gets or how low it gets, you're still, like, backing down a highway (laughs) to launch (laughs) a boat. That's amazing. You know, (laughs) like, Like, very nice boat launches. It says there's nice asphalt boat launch.
2: <laughs> Geological evidence that the lakes have overflowed into the Cheyenne River and dried up completely on several occasions over the past ten thousand years.
0: There you go. Thank you, Chester. I Crazy. wonder how. I wonder how it's high like the Doug water. Dur- it's like having a little Doug Dern here, man. <laughs> He's just not fighting with you on Texas. Hey, he doesn't fight you, but he checks everything out. I as, wonder
3: as uh, how high the water has to peak to, to flow out of the basin
2: it's probably uh right around like how much higher than right now elevation an elevation of 1454.3 feet
3: is when it'll start
2: it's like record high in modern day so they had to to move
0: on (laughs) is that all right chester Okay, here's here's something I want to do here because the about of what we've been up to. I want to juxtapose. Um, I want to juxtapose live scope fishing with pike spearing. Because I think these are uh, re- like like if you imagine um, uh, like imagine that you stretch your arms out as wide as you can stretch them, okay, and that constitutes the spectrum of ice fishing activities out at your whatever tip your right fingertip is, is uh no it's a timeline that advances from Seth's perspective let me see from Seth's perspective my right fingertip would be and northerns and my left fingertip would be live scoping fish through the ice so which do you want to start with I'm asking you this, Jay.
1: Uh, well, spearing. Let's talk about spearing. Okay.
0: I'll handle this one. All right. Spearing, in my mind, is true ice fishing. Pure true ice fishing. Can you agree with that or not? What, agree with that? what, what do you mean by that? It just feels like a long time ago when you're spearing northerns. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not with Jay's sweet camera setup, but we weren't we were. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't gaining anything with Jay's sweet camera setup. He I might would. have been
1: attracted to my camera. We don't know if he came no, in for the camera.
0: He just—he th- didn't eat the camera. I can't wait. Do you think I could can I put that up on social media? Then? Yeah. You don't care? Yeah, no. Post it. I'll credit you. Can cool. you give me a better version of it? Yeah. yeah. So we had a sweet camera set but it had nothing to do with us. It wasn't even in our it wasn't in the dark house. It was just recording and it was cool to look at it later. Spearing goes like this. And a lot of people already know, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Um you uh drill a a hole of staggering proportions through the ice. Mandy Mandy said she's been around a lot of ice fishing activities. She has never seen a spear hole this big as the one we made. And I blame <laughs> <her>. <laughs> But Mandy has a giant auger. And I normally think in my head, like, I'm gonna go five augers wide and three augers deep. Yeah. And that's what I did.
4: <laughs> Except you used my 10-inch auger It
1: was a, yeah, so a, it flight, was a 50-inch so. <laughs> hole. 50 inch by 30 inch. It was a good size hole. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it
4: was ginormous.
0: Yeah. Manny one in there. It and did. she was <laughs> going in, and if she fell in, she wouldn't even hit the sides, man. <laughs> <laughs> she could have fell in horizontal and not hit the sides. So uh Yeah, so you like it used to be hard to make a spear hole, but it's like with good augers, it's pretty easy to make a spear hole. You just make a bunch of holes and you kind of butt them right up to each other and sometimes they'll overlap or sometimes not and then you take an ice saw and connect all the holes and you can do one of two things depending on where you're at and what you're supposed to do where you're at um and i think it depends a little bit on weather you can either take that block and each has its pros and cons you can take that block and shove it under the ice sink in the cake see that's what they call it Yep. you can sink the cake or you can what do you what, what do you call it when you drag it up on the ice eat the cake Eat the cake. Yeah. Can't eat your cake and sink it too, Jay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, um, pushing it down has to be the most common. Yeah, I'm trying to is
0: it is it ask like Eskimo makes the the I have a bunch of them. The auger Eskimo or ion ion the, makes the auger. No, that makes the screws the handle screws.
4: Eskimo Eskimo. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah.
0: So there's there's a screw you can use to like anchor your your fish shanty to the ice or whatever you need to anchor to the ice. It's a screw. You can just drive into the ice. Yeah. Um, and they also make a, a, you can also get an auger attachment. Like I have an eye on auger and you can get an attachment for driving these screws. Anyways, when you cut this, so when you cut this periphery of the hole out, the spear hole, you got like a large block of ice sitting in there. Um, in the old days they'd hook up the mules or whatever and drag it up and put it in the ice house, pack it with sawdust. Then you have ice all summer long. Yeah. But that's not what we're doing. Um, to pull the block out, like my friends in Alaska will pull the block out
5: hmm.
0: and they'll drive the they'll drive the handles, the ice screws, into the okay. block, and then you get then you push down on it. Like you know how when you go to pull someone into a boat who's wearing a life jacket? How you go like down then up and you get the buoyancy yeah. Yeah. to help you get a little inertia. So you get a couple of those handles in there and you push down and you go one, two, three, and you drag it up on the ice. The problem is in really cold weather that block just freezes. It welds itself to the ice. And
1: that's not something you want to hit with your yeah, snow machine. Say, well, could, there was a, a guy
0: that got killed. A was, guy was racing across the lake on a snowmobile and hit a block of ice that someone had dragged out yeah. and froze and killed the guy.
1: Because so, the, the controversy is that, like, if, if you have that open hole afterwards, like, you could potentially be open dope. to manslaughter if someone goes through that hole and dies, right? Yeah. It's so, like... I mean, we marked our holes, but that's a pretty important thing It's if you don't mark that hole.
0: On a warm day, and it creates like a special thing because on a warm day when it's not going to seal back up, like we were out in such cold weather that you couldn't keep the thing open anyway. No. If you wanted to. But, yeah, you know, I I don't want to drag it on too long, but there's all these different things. So what they require, here's a good way to discuss it. North Dakota, which I'd like to credit the North Dakota uh, Fishing Game Agency. They have very well thought ice fishing rules like fine tooth comb and they lay out Chester. to tell them when you drill a dark if, house hole
2: if you have a hole that's 10 inches or greater you legally have to have a dowel a brightly colored wooden lathe i guess is how they have it stated or a natural object to mark your that hole and you have to have it on you at while you're fishing while you're fishing
0: and i think it has to be clearly visible from 50 yards yep 150 feet wasn't it clearly visible from 150 feet your marker yep um so we sunk the cake then what you got to do is you need to uh people do this different ways like when i was a little kid people used to like so you well you got to put up your shanty and you got to have it darkened out so we use Eskimo shanties, and they got windows, which are great to open the window up, like a plastic window. You can open up and let sunlight in when you're regular fishing, but then you can Velcro the flaps up to, to rule out all the light, because you got to have it be that you're in a dark structure. In fact, they call it dark, like they'll call it in the dark house or dark house fishing. So you drill this big ass hole. you sit on a seat looking into it, and that, when you're out in the daylight, you can't tell, you can't see into the water. But the same way, you know, when you like put your hands up around your eyes and look down into the to the water... When you put the shanty up and block all the light from coming in and shovel snow around the edge and really get it sealed up, it's like lit up like a TV screen to see the bottom. When we were young, we used to put uh, people would slice potatoes. If you were fishing in pretty deep water, you'd slice potatoes real thin or you'd boil a bunch of elbow macaroni to get some uh, white on the bottom so that you could see the outline of deep fish.
1: (laughs) We tried a bed sheet once. Oh, you did. That didn't work too great. Yeah, I can't picture that. <laughs> just well, to plus, actually get it to spread out properly. Well, then, so then you're gonna like retrieve it back out yeah, of there. Yeah, pull it back at the end. Oh, it was so much work, and it didn't. It didn't work. Yeah, out our properly. thinking
0: was like, uh, you know, using like organic matter, like yeah, eggshells. Sure, I remember. I remember eggshells too. say all your eggshells, crumple them up, put them down the hole, just to get a little something to see what's going a on. A
2: PVCX, but people pull them out.
0: Yeah, like, okay. Or,
2: and uh, I've siding. seen white
3: white siding. Make an X in the bottom of the hole with white siding. Oh, then
2: you can retrieve it, though? Then
0: you pull it up, yeah. Uh, Just so you can catch something coming across? Yeah.
2: And I'm going to say something real quick. So I said 10 inches or greater, you have to mark it. It's anything greater than 10 inches has to be marked. So So, a normal 10-inch
0: auger hole you don't need to mark?
2: Yes. I
0: I was wrong. Well, that makes sense. Then, so here you got this giant hole, or whatever, a hole, a big hole, and you got a dark structure, so you're sitting in the dark, which makes, which illuminates the bottom, and you're looking down in there, and then you hang a decoy. And, you know, you can get it as extravagant or not. Decoys range from that you would hang a, a pie plate or a beer can down in the hole, hanging on a string, so you can jiggle it and create like a object of curiosity to fish. Um, we had a decoy um, that, that a guy made for us and sent it to us, where it's like, a, looks like a fish, it's got fins, it's like, it's not quite neutral buoyancy it's like slightly heavier so it slowly sinks and you lift it up on a string like a puppet let the string go and it circles it's real nice and shows a lot of activity chartreuse um i don't know if they do it as much anymore but i remember like people used to harness rig suckers you'd catch a sucker and harness rig a sucker and let it swim around the hole to lure pike in and then, but we used to, you know, spear white. There's a variety of things people spear. We used to spear whitefish and some other stuff. Um, in some lakes, you're allowed to spear walleye, but it's generally like a pike thing, northern pike. And then you work that decoy. And you know, you know, you're anywhere from you could be as shallow as four feet of water, which is pretty shallow. You can be as deep as 13, 14 feet of water, which is pretty deep. But let's say you're six to eight feet of water. Um, you work that decoy and just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And eventually, a northern. If you're lucky, a northern or many northerns throughout the course of the day are going to come creeping in, and they just sneak up on that decoy. They like want to see what it is. They might strike it. They might just nudge it. Um, and when they do, you have a weighted spear that you need to, you 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 need to hit them. It's hard. But you did it. Things
2: happen fast. Tell them, Chester. Things happen real fast. They were in a different ice shack. And I cut in a little farther from him, and uh, we had a Jay's decoy going and had, I think, four different occasions where a pike came in. And three of those, no, two of those times out of the four, that pike gave us no chance to really spear it. It came in from nowhere,
1: struck the decoy, Took off again.
0: Decoy's are I, too good.
1: I don't understand why people don't put hooks on their decoys. It's like, if your point is getting a pike to eat, why not put hooks in the decoy? Because you see the decoy counts as a line, anyways.
0: Yeah. You know what was interesting is, I can't remember, was it Mandy or Jay that made a comment about, like, do they grab it?
1: Yeah. I asked you just before And I'm I'm I, like,
0: said, no, they'll, I said, no, I said they'll kind of like nudge it, but they don't like grab it, grab it. Five you know? minutes
1: later, this pike comes in <laughs> and just engulfs
0: it. Oh, my. <laughs> like, really, like, grab it enough for you to hook them. Yeah. Because I was like, no, they like bump it. You know, they like, they, Tap, like kind of like yeah. strike it, but this thing grabbed went it and it. sort of like wrestled with it. It was cool. That was super yeah, cool. Yeah, he, like, he looked like an alligator trying to tear a chunk off something when he grabbed onto that thing.
1: Well, it was staring at it slowly and you were ready to throw, and then it went in charge mode, ate it, and then, I mean, you had that shot just after, but that would have been a tough shot to make.
0: Yeah. I think it's, um, uh, oh, I love it. And it, it gets into the what we were talking about earlier, like sort of the cultural stuff, right? Yeah. Like it's, uh, and there's a lot of states where you cannot spear fish. So yep. You cannot spear game fish, with the exception of Dark House, Northern Pike. Yeah, It's just a thing that's a way people have targeted northerns for a long time. And as much as you can't spear game fish or gig game fish, um, in, in northern states, it's like generally you can – this is how we've always done it. And I think that um, in the future, if we're having a big old fight about – the allocation of the resource i would think that the live scope guys would need to to acquiesce to the dark house guys that was, my, I, that was yeah. my that was my segue into live scope fishing
1: yeah i mean i i that was my first spear fishing experience mm-hmm. and i was like revved up you know i didn't yeah. get one but just seeing one it was cool i mean i think there's they're just like you said different ends of the spectrum because live scope for those of you that aren't familiar with live well, you scope, know
0: can i i gotta add one more yeah. thing i'm sorry just to tee it up better yeah, for yeah. you uh I should point out that a lot of people would say it's really unfair to the fish to spear the fish. Because you're not tricking him into eating. Yeah. It's like some people might be like, well, what's the challenge in that? You're sinking a giant spear into a fish. Oh, it's a challenge. It's very barbaric. And you can't release them. (laughs) Nope. It's like it's it's bloodthirsty. I don't have that perspective. I just wanted to open up that someone might say like, Someone might look and be like, that to me, that strikes me as unethical fishing because it's like you're, you know, you haven't tricked him. He just passes through the hole and you jab a big spear into him. Yeah.
1: And that's got to hurt.
4: Yeah, but other Not the one are... I got.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yours, yours died pretty quickly. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's it depends on the size. Like, I mean, you have a little more of a chance when you catch with rod and reel to choose if you want to release it or not. Mm-hmm. Obviously you have a chance to decide if you want to spear that fish or not, but it, it happens pretty fast. You, you got to make a decision and you, you might not have time to hum and haw between a 35 or 40 inch or when he's when he's. Yeah, right
0: that's why when I was, when I was, when I grew up in Michigan, um, we're just fishing lake where there's no, that you don't have a size requirement. So, but when I grew up in Michigan, at first, for most of my life, that I lived there, it was mostly 21, Northern had to be 21. Yep. It jumped up to 24. But as you can imagine, that's a hard call to make. Oh yeah. It's a hard call to make. Fast. Fast.
4: I'd say not just with when you have inch restrictions, like it's been highly controversial in Minnesota where uh, certain lakes that hold muskie have been specifically shut down and no spears involved, mm. right? Because a normal joe, even an, a, a really good angler is going to have a, a hard issue in that split second, you know. Is that a pike or is that a muskie? Yeah. And just in the last few years, like Malax Cast, some of these ones that hold really big, beautiful muskie have now been reopened for spearing, and it's highly controversial.
1: Oh yeah,
0: and that, I imagine there's probably people that show up there that aren't even aware that that could be a thing. Yep, correct. You know, and they're like, yeah, if you didn't, if you weren't aware that, that was gonna be a thing, you wouldn't until you
1: got that thing up on the ice. You'd start thinking maybe something was a little different, but yeah, it'd be a I, hard call to make. I wouldn't trust myself. Um. I've seen a lot of pike, a lot of muskies. If I'm seeing it from straight down view, yeah, it'd it'd be some quick thinking.
2: There are a handful of lakes right here in North Dakota that it's not legal to spear, and it's because of of the muskies.
1: Hmm.
4: So the weird thing is, uh, spearing in North Dakota has only been open for like 20 plus years. Uh, The first year that they opened it was in 2008, 2009, and it was actually only open for the first two weeks in March. And that was it, and it was only open to residents. Uh, 2009, 2010... Um, it was the first winter that non-residents like Minnesotans could come in to to North Dakota and and spear. And then it was open for like a month. Right. So then fast forward. No, it was 2012, 2013, where most of the state you could spear, but there still was not a, a statewide, you know, spear application for that. But it's yeah, so it keeps growing and growing, but
0: so they've been like tiptoeing their way in, probably wanting to see what the harvest is gonna look like.
4: Correct. So they went really above and beyond and they have like unbelievable data. Like I'm fairly impressed for their survey results here. So they did a survey in twenty twenty, twenty twenty and twenty twenty-one, and they had four thousand three hundred and seventy-two uh, individuals that registered. For that were resident spears, there was over twenty five hundred non residents. Mm -hmm. That so yeah, they figured about sixteen thousand six hundred pike were speared from the people that they surveyed. Right. So I mean, they really dug down. Like I geek out about this kind of information. How many pike were speared? Sixteen thousand six hundred
0: and five. Wow. So those guys are doing good.
4: Correct. Here's like (laughs) the early registers (laughs)
0: were doing good. Correct.
4: Average spear age was forty nine years old, and eighty eight percent of them were male. Uh, a year
0: older than me
4: (laughs) 72 (laughs) percent of the respondents indicated that they actually uh, dark house fish so they must have surveyed like the all of the people that have fishing licenses so that's pretty high right like that's 72 percent of resident fishing license holders
0: no you sure it's not that that of the people that got registered that's the percent that actually went
4: so, 72% of respondents indicated that they actually dark house speared Yeah, because they're, they're
0: interviewing people that registered.
4: Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it must be growing. Uh, 60% of those people that took this survey, uh, so that they had taken someone dark house spearing for the first time. Huh. Yeah. I mean, that's really cool. They did a really good job with uh, that spearing information. Dude,
0: again, man, I'm, like, really high on uh, North Dakota
2: fishing game, man. They... The stocking reports, the netting reports are unreal. A lot of
0: transparency. Yeah. Huh. Good
1: state. <laughs> good place to be.
0: It is a good place to be.
1: And the walleye thing's new too, which is interesting how they're becoming more open to that. Like I think just in the last two years is when they opened walleye spearing on a couple of the leaks around here. Oh, so they're like tiptoeing into Dark houses. They're fiction. the same as LiveScope. They're both coming in at the same time. <laughs> yeah, all right. So now, now let's get into
0: the LiveScope thing. All right. So, I got real mixed feelings. I want one bad, Yeah. but I did get a little bit of a guilty conscience because here's the well, – I'll, I'll tell you later. Go ahead and lay it all out. I'll uh, tell you why I felt guilty.
1: So like your typical uh, sonar, whatever, you're getting an 18-degree cone angle looking down your hole. That's what you see. Use a lot of analogies here. Yeah, so, I mean, um, you're like shining a flashlight down the hole. And that beam is 18 degrees, and whatever's underneath the flashlight, like is... like a, like
0: a Scooby Doo, like the flashlight that they always use in Scooby Doo.
1: Yeah, exactly like that.
0: Like a very precise, <laughs> a very precise <laughs> angle where it's like it's like utter darkness meets utter light.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got it. Um, so typically, yeah, the fish would have to be right under hole, and you would see them in real time. You can see your lure going up and down. You can see the fish interacting, and even that has revolutionized ice fishing. I think your your catch rate, I would say, would be 3X or 4X with that. I would turn... If I forgot mine, I'd turn around. For a lot... Like, not all fishing. Obviously, spearing electronics isn't going to help you much. Um, but if I forgot my electronics, I would turn around and go home. But LiveScope now is... Instead of that 18-degree angle, it's 135 degrees by 18. So you can decide how you want to point it and stuff. But it's like... Kind of like ultrasound. You're getting a real-time reading. So I can be looking 100 feet off to the side or I can do a pan. So normally... Let's say, uh, for an example, you're looking for for black crappies in a basin. You would drill that thing. You'd Swiss cheese it, right? You'd drill 30, 40 holes, and you'd keep hole hopping until you are marking fish. Now with this live scope, you put this transducer down, you drill one hole, and I can scan effectively 100 100 feet or, or more in any direction around me. So I just save myself cutting 40 or 50 holes. And as well, you can see if those fish are moving. So when Steve and I were fishing yesterday, we had the transducer between us, and we had warning before the fish came in. So like a long warning, yeah, long warning. So it's like it's like that trail camera being set up, sending you a picture before it comes. You know, uh, you're not paying attention. All of a sudden, you look at the live scope and see, okay, Steve, there's a fish swimming towards you, ten feet away, and uh, you can see the size of the fish. It's mood. It's mood it's and how it a, there's reacts. A, there's, a, there's a graph on there that you can measure it. How big the fish are, and that's 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 one of the coolest parts because <laughs> like just... normally you get nervous when you're marking a fish, but when you can tell it's a three foot fish or whatever it might be, a thirty inch walleye, it's like it gets your heart pounding in a different. Oh, and it, you
0: can see its mood, man. Yep. You use like when they're on the bottom, like slithering along. Then you can see what it likes. Yep. So you're sitting there. And a fish comes and he gets like it gets like it, it gets the perspective that he's right below your stuff. Yeah. And you jig it and raise it and he follows it and gets excited and then you raise a little more and he keeps following it and you do it again and he hits. Yeah. And you, you like tease him into hitting. Um you can try things on him. You can take his mood. Oh, I'm gonna drop it down and shake it in the mud. Yeah. Doesn't care.
1: I'm gonna do this. Oh, he's getting interested. I'm gonna increase. Wham hook em. It's, it's a scary tool. And I've, I've kind of compared it to what drones is to hunting and, and because there's just no hiding anymore, you know, yeah. the, the, the fish can't hide. And you, and I mean, my favorite part of LiveScope is, is the learning tool that it is because now I can see, oh, those crappies spooked. I caught one out of the school and the other 15 spooked away. Or I knelt down a little bit loud in shallow water and I saw the fish spook away. And it's like, that's my favorite. Obviously it's cool to see the fish eat, but you learn more about the biology and, and their general mood characteristics. But uh, it turns into a lot of gear. Like like you said, the spearing is super primitive, and now you're staring at a screen all day. So it's like we, we go fishing to get away from screens, yet you and I are sitting in the shack staring at a screen. So I, I can see how some people don't like that. Like I definitely get a lot of comments on my videos like, hey, you're not even fishing anymore. And it's like, well, I yeah, want to take advantage I of...
0: I wouldn't say that. Th- that. That's hard for me because you know... You use it, but you know 20x the information that I would, I would say that after having, hanging out with you for a few days, you you know 20 times more about fish and fishing than your average fisherman. Thank you. So if you were like, dude, I don't know what kind of fish that is. And I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know how to tie a knot, but you're out there <laughs> just slaying. It winds up being like you know a bunch about fish, you know a bunch about fishing. You're probably yeah. gonna catch a bunch of fish no matter what, yeah. and you use that. It's, yeah. it's like a lot of that stuff goes that way. It's like the same thing. The guy who's like diligently running a bunch of trail cams is probably a pretty dedicated hunter. Yeah. Y- you always think that it's gonna wind up being that, that technologies are gonna wind up being that any old Joe Blow can go do X, and need- maybe that's the case. But I just I haven't like seen like a ton of evidence toward it because I've generally seen that like. People that are already obsessed become early adopters on new stuff. Yep. And they were the ones kicking, they were kicking ass before and they're kicking ass now. Yeah. I don't think, I think you're probably underselling yourself after watching you fish. Um, We're out, like, I don't know what the hell the temperature was. Like, I don't know. We've been out in temperatures. The lowest I've seen is negative 29. The highest I've seen is four. Every time we were fishing, it was in the negatives. What were wind gusts yesterday? It was like sustained winds of 30 miles an hour. With
4: gusts over 50.
0: Yet. The wind chill was 47 below. We moved four times last night. Yeah. So, that's not
1: comfortable. No. (laughs) With a shack and a heater, it's it's manageable.
0: Yeah, but I'm saying, like, you're still moving. Yeah. So, there's still, like, a level of ambition. Like, you put that thing down, and we don't catch any fish we don't mark any fish and we move but it was about like if you were fishing normally without electronics yeah. that's about when you would have moved if you didn't get a hit it, it what it, it does it's like i i don't know you might be overestimating it's like you might overestimate the impact because i think that what it does is it's you'd probably go through a lot of the same activities yeah you'd probably like go to an area you'd probably try the same baits you would try the same tackles you would try to uh similar strategy but there'd be more of a mystery
1: like you wouldn't know that fish were down, but you know you weren't getting hits. It, it speeds up, it speeds up the search, but like, you know, when you go to your initial spot, you still need to know why the fish are going to be there, right? You need to have that initial understanding of fish biology and being like, oh, the walleyes are going to be on deep rocks. Let's go check deep rocks, and the live scope confirms confirms or denies that they're there, and then you move on. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. The thing I learned when I first started messing around with electronics and ice fishing um, beyond like a flasher. But but putting lowering a camera down, which caused me to have all kinds of other guilty feelings. <laughs> putting a camera down, I learned more about in in the first couple of days I fished with a camera down the hole. I learned more about the way fish behave in the winter than I did from forty five years of ice fishing. Yeah, which is that I used to picture when you um, were fishing and not getting fish. It was that you weren't on fish or they were turned off Yeah, and they were just like laying somewhere. I didn't know that all day there are fish coming out of curiosity to come look at, basically kiss your thing and move on. But come in like, no motivation of hunger. It's like they come and they're like, oh, that's what that is. And stare at it oh, and yeah. leave. And come and stare at it and leave. And come and stare and at it and it's not leave. always
1: little fish. I've if, seen big yeah. fish do the same thing. And if and you're it,
0: banging the bottom they, they, and the silt's coming up, that they come and nose around in that silt. But don't eat anything.
1: Oh, I've, I've played with the fish for 10, 15 minutes before getting them to eat. It's like, why did it take him that long to eat the juicy minnow in front of his yeah. face? But.
0: I had like that changed. Then it became in my mind, what I used to think was they're not around or they're somewhere else. They're laying low. There's sort of like this middle area where they're very active, moving all around, and are not going to eat. But they're very interested in that. Yeah, they want to know what's going on. They want to know what that noise was. They want to know what that movement was. Um, and then there's like a competitive aspect. They have a they have like a little bit of a. They're like a little bit like kids where one of them doesn't want something, but when someone else wants it, they also decide that they want it. Yeah, Like he'll stare at it. With panfish. Yeah, he'll yep. stare at it, his buddy will show up, and then he eats it. <laughs> oh,
4: shit. We see that in the you know, open water a lot with smallmouth, but uh, ice fishing, you see that a lot with panfish. With bluegills or crappies, you can get that yeah. school fired up, and it's a lot of fun, Yeah, then right? they get like, well, I don't want it, but I
0: want him to have it. Yeah, yep. Frenzy. Yeah. So um, let me ask you this. Do you 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 walleye fish and tournament fish with live scope? Yes. How many do you got? You got two on your boat at all times?
4: <laughs> no, I only have one. <laughs> okay,
0: let me ask you guys this: If you gotta be totally honest, let's say um, all of a sudden your local government, not your lo- the fishing game agency, says, "All right, that's it, no live scope, all done, illegal." Would you breathe a sigh of relief, or would you be like,
1: "Oh man, i'd i'd be i'd be pretty mad."
0: Oh, you would. Yeah, you wouldn't breathe a sigh of relief.
1: No. Yeah. I want to learn as much as fish, like as much as possible of fish, and that's why I got into scuba diving because I want to see them underwater. And short of strapping the scuba gear on, the live scope is like when you see that fish relating exactly to that boulder. It's it's a pretty cool deal because that's what you visualize, but then you actually see it, and it, it verifies what you you know. Yeah. What you've been thinking?
4: I think it would be all right with it. I mean, honestly, because it's such new technology.
1: You'd be like, yeah, whatever.
4: Correct. And right <laughs> now we're actually already seeing it on the tournament side. Uh, so there's an ice circuit in Minnesota and they have outlawed the use of live scope wow. during those really? tournaments. Yep.
0: Huh. No go. You know what? You know, one thing about it would be like, let's say you're having an ice fishing is ice fishing is a blue collar pursuit, right? It's, it's just, it just is right. It's a blue collar pursuit. Um, And then if you're having like local derbies and like the dude that can through connections or just from having cash, the guy that can throw down five grand on a live scope, right? Yeah. Other people might be like, well, how do I like in the derby? Like, how do I keep up with that, man? Yeah. I'm out here with with an ax and a, you know, I'm out here with an ax and a cut down Zebco, the tip of a Zebco rod with a reel tape to the ferrule. No, I I get that. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. Manny's like, whatever. She can live without it. She'll still catch fish. Jay's like, no, no, no. It's not about catching fish. It's about learning about fish. Which I like. There's is, this is an element of truth in that. Yeah. There's oh, yeah. There's also a little, yeah, tr- also a little so. bit of fish catching in there. Oh, yeah. yeah don't, 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 don't come to me and act like it's not about catching fish. Catching the learning's fish. nice. The catching's nice, too. Yes. Seth just likes every aspect of it. <laughs> <laughs> he loves free gear. <laughs> yeah. No, he's got no free live scope. You, so, it. you're saying like you just like are you love? It. Oh, if I had the money, I would go right now and buy it. One of the things I've found, and this is something I like about Seth a lot a lot of people um, mistake jealousy for something else, they mistake jealousy for moral superiority. Okay. So, they'll see a live scope set up, and what's going on deep in their psyche. Is they want one, but they they don't have that kind of jingle laying around. So what they do in their mind then is they do a thing where they disapprove of it. Mm, Yep. I feel that. They disapprove of it. Like, oh, you shouldn't be able to have that. But what's really going on is they're like, fuck, I kind of wish I had one of those. But their body is, their (laughs) brain is helping itself out, giving them a sense of moral superiority, which is, feels, for some people, feels good. Jealousy feels bad I have one of my kids My kids have a book about jealousy And they describe jealousy The book describes jealousy As a hot prickly feeling Seth is such a pure individual <laughs> Listen let me tell you Yeah. You tell this guy something And tell him not to tell anyone You couldn't waterboard it out of him <laughs> <laughs> Um. Anyways he sees one He wants it And he just says he wants one Yeah there you go <laughs> I do. He doesn't act like he's, he doesn't <laughs> act like he's got like moral, uh, like any kind of moral dilemma.
2: I'm in the same boat with Seth. I I want one real bad, but I <laughs> one, one, one in, of.
0: In fact, I think it'd be accurate to say I lost <laughs> one. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, no, but one one point that I that I think of when it comes to that is, over the past few years, I've gotten really good with the technology that I have right so like down imaging side imaging and being able to look on down imaging and be like pretty sure that's a walleye just by the way you know or or like the size of the fish compared to what you're seeing on the screen Mm -hmm. um so like if they took live scope and outlawed it right now i'd be like the playing field would be a little more level because we still have to you have to put some time in to get yeah. good at well, these live scopes. Yeah, that's, why,
0: that's why I opposed the internet when it came out because I was good at <laughs> looking up stuff in the library and I could smoke anybody in the library. <laughs> and then they made the internet and then now any Tom, Dick and Harry can go find out stuff. And I used to have a competitive advantage.
1: Yeah. I mean, Seth could probably take better pictures with his phone than most people with high-end cameras. You got to, you got to spend a lot of hours figuring it out. Like mm-hmm. it's a yeah. learning curve. Yeah. Um,
3: <laughs> it's not a plug and play. You gotta figure that yeah, out. Know.
0: I know, man. It's like this kind of stuff keeps me up at night. <laughs> me too. But you know, I want to point out, I know how to close this out. This trip, I was catching, we sat down. Um granted, I had nothing to do with picking the spots. Nothing to do with picking the spots. Okay? But um, I was catching fish before you guys had the electronics hooked up.
1: You were. You sat down in that first seat, and you went <laughs> But
0: I didn't pick the spots. Either. No, someone's just like, "Here, fish this hole."
2: I'm like, okay. Steve's roping them as I'm trying to get the
1: transducer to work.
4: He did that to all three of us, just like the other night.
1: I, d- I don't know Steve well enough to like give him grief right away. But when you're on a fishing trip and your buddy starts casting before things are ready, it's like, dude, slow down. <laughs> like, <let's, laughs> you know, <laughs> especially when the cameras aren't rolling. That that's my pet peeve. When I'm filming with somebody <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't care what you do today. Just wait till we get the camera set up and then just like my wife hooks a fish right away. and I'm just like, Sam, you could have just waited like a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't be mad. She caught a fish, right? And
0: then she's got to pretend to be excited about the second one, but <laughs> yeah. you can never quite pretend that way. Well, yeah, I got. You. <laughs> I had
1: some other thought I was gonna add
0: about this whole deal—the weather and everything. Brandy. Yeah, it was beautiful. Oh, yeah, all that <laughs> stuff. But I mean, more like, um, more about the, more about that.
1: Yeah,
0: you're catching. I sure fish. enjoyed it, man. Thanks for. I enjoyed looking through that stuff.
1: It was a good time, and I enjoyed, you know, enjoyed fishing with you guys, sharing a shack, sharing yeah. some hook sets. Yeah,
0: Mandy fish with Yanni. Oh, I don't know what I was gonna add. Did you like fishing with Yanni? no that's a loaded question no no
4: dude I I did love it but like somebody that just I I, I truly felt like to his core he did not have a good time he did not like the cold weather like he I think he liked the experience and like it was kind of was so out of his wheelhouse it seemed so foreign to him that he was just like you, all, you guys are just insane right yeah like, he's not like a pe- born
0: he's not a born and bred ice angle yeah he's just like
4: you, know? you you seriously do this for fun like this is like a cultural thing where you live where people do this as a pastime and i'm like yeah like why wouldn't you like i yeah. don't understand why you're not like excited and like see this but i forget that it is a cultural thing you know for for where you grow up or how you grow up with what kind of outdoor activities that are just part of yeah. everyday life so yeah i know he was a hoot it yeah, was cool uh, to have him to the house and the, the whole crew and a really cool experience
0: uh i know what i was gonna add a, a perspective that callahan had about technology and ice fishing yeah and he's not opposed to it right um and if someone was gonna be it'd probably be him but he's he had a perspective like what happens to the psychology of an angler where he says you could be ice fishing and having a perfectly good time but then someone shows up with more, like someone shows up and sets up next to you with more electronics. And Cal says, the feeling you then get is, ah, oh, now we're fucked. <laughs> like he said, it somehow makes him feel like, like it makes him feel like he's not doing, you know, that he's like, doesn't yeah. know something or is not doing something right. Or now this person is going to catch all the fish. And he's not proposing that as some, as anyone else's problem, but yeah. his own, but he's just commenting on his own psychology that it'd be like, when someone has that, then he's like, well, now I'm screwed.
1: The, the key the key <laughs> is to never fish with that technology. Now that you've fished with it, you're screwed. If you'd never fished with it before, you know, you maybe see clips online, but once you actually experience it, I know that people that have sat in my shack or sat in my boat, it's like, they've dropped that money afterwards and I'm guilty of causing them that.
0: Separating Americans or Canadians from their money. Yeah. yeah. I'm
1: sure Garvin likes it when you do that. What's Icefish MB mean? Uh, that is uh, one of my biggest partners. That's Icefishing Manitoba. That's their oh. tourism brand. So shout out Icefish MB, Huntfish Manitoba. <laughs> 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 this guy's get a lot of plugs. I'm just
0: saying Jay an invoice. Uh, all right, here's the final plug. We're going to go fry up some. Um, some catch and cook walleye. We're going to fry up some fish. and We're going to put catch and cook on there.
1: There you go, catchcook.net. Okay, tell people
0: how to find you guys. Oh, uh, you Go ahead, you can go first.
1: Yeah, if uh, if you want to find me on YouTube, Jay Siemens, J-A-Y-S-I-E-M-E-N-S. Better and, yet, Canadian uh, Angle. Come on, dude. Canadian Angle on YouTube. We got both rolling. Season two dropping now. And uh, if you want to buy some fish breading, catchcook.net.
0: There you go. Easy peasy. And a real nice folding filet knife. Yeah. You guys selling those like hotcakes.
1: Yeah, they're selling pretty good.
0: Folding filet knife. Really nice job on thank that. Thank you, thank you. Those are kind of a pain in the ass, but it's like you don't need to have the sheath, you can put it in your pocket without cutting a hole in your leg Um Folding filet knife. High quality knife. Beautiful craftsmanship. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Real nice knife. I got one for free. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? I would have bought that son of a bitch, man. I appreciate it. I would have given you a discount code. Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, Mandy, how do people find you?
4: They can find me on Instagram. just, I, I don't have any crazy names like everybody else. I just left it as Mandy Urich, so they can find me on... Just on, old school. Yeah, super old Spell school. Spell it out. I still even have a Hotmail account. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, i uh, I've got my pro account and my personal account on, on Facebook, or they can find me on
1: Instagram. Or Will you accept them on both accounts or just on the pro account?
4: Uh. Just on their pro account.
1: Keep,
0: and keep I together. will say this. this so like, like Joe Blow, who wants to come and be like your buddy, you might not accept him on your personal account?
4: Correct. I, my personal account's full. it's It literally maxed is full. Out I'm five, maxed 5, out. I'm, I'm maxed out. Um, I will say I've been struggling with Facebook because there's actually a full account. They used my photos. It's my name. And it's they say that I'm from South Dakota. And Facebook will not take it down. Like they will not take that account down, and You've it's, made my, it. it's my it's my picture, like really? my like really? everything, and they won't take it down. So I've I've almost considered just kind of deleting everything off there and just going to Instagram. Let's get
1: everyone to report it. Everyone's listening to the podcast. Report the fake account. Yes, they're you, actually going to report the real account, and your real account's going to get pulled. Correct. Down now. If,
4: look for the one that says that I'm from South Dakota. I am not from South Dakota. Oh, that's
1: the bad one. That's, that's the, the bad, bad
4: one. one. Report yeah. that one,
0: but don't join it
4: crack don't don't go to that one that's not
0: who's doing that
4: i don't know and the worst part is is they've got a lot of people on there and i i I just don't understand it's it's really frustrating it's weird
0: to find that person and kick them in little berries (laughs) (laughs) thanks steve (laughs) all right everybody get the oil we're we're doing it it we're gonna gonna replace the smell of a thawing out northern with the smell of hot grease there you go thanks everybody
4: thank
1: you thanks steve